Okay. Mic check. Test one, two. Welcome, everybody. We've got some people jumping in here. Going to do my usual checking of the streams. We should be good to go today. Yes, we are on the Rockfin. Uh, sorry about Monday, everybody. We <laughs> It was my fault that the streams didn't go out to anywhere but Foxhole, although I do love the Foxhole. Shout out to all the people over there. Let's make sure we're live on. The, yes, we are live on the Foxhole. Welcome, everybody. Good to see you. Uh, earlier show today, and um, it actually kind of worked out good for me. It worked out for my guest, Josh Reed, who we're going to get into with. If you didn't get to catch our Magnum Opus episode that we did, I think it ran five and a half, close to six hours. It was a blast. I think we talked about every subject that exists and solved the mysteries of the universe, uh, the global conspiracy, ancient history, ancient aliens. We talked about everything. It was so good. So I'm really excited about today's show. We're going to keep it to under two hours for this one. Um, but before we do, let me just also confirm that we're live on Twitch. Looks like I'm live on Twitch. Hello, everybody on Twitch. Good to see you. DLive. We are live on DLive. Hello, everybody at DLive. Nice. The streaming worked. I'm always happy when the technical stuff works out. Well, good to see everybody here. Um, uh, oh, wait a second. Rockfin's giving me an error. What's going on, Rockfin? Come on. You can do it. You can do it. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, if it's that, if, if Rockfin's stream isn't working, it is definitely not my bad this time. Okay. But hopefully it's going. I don't know. You guys let me know. Either way, we are live where we need to be live. Uh, before I jump into my guest today, I just wanted to go over a few quick little updates for you. Let me bring up my site and, uh, it's just been updated. You can check it out at dwtruthwarrior.com if this is your first time to the show. That's where you can find out where I'm at. I'm always moving around as are many uh, podcasters and uh, citizen journalists today. We're getting banned and censored all over the place, so we're constantly moving. So always go to the website. That's the best place. You can get my podcast, my vlogs. I have an amazing store. Let me just show it real quick. I got a team, uh, good friends of mine have been helping me out with this. We just launched our Mighty Warrior line. I got to get these pants. I love this kind of track pants stuff. Anyways, got some really good stuff, kids stuff, hoodies, bags, toques, hats, all the good stuff. So go check that out. Um, what else was I going to show you? My latest show I just did Monday because I wasn't able to stream it live everywhere I wanted to. I hope you got to check it out. You can get it all over the place. Bitshoot, Rumble, Podbean, go to, go to Foxhole. Freedom Reigns uh, did a really good show with Beth, Beth Martins. Uh, she's just a fantastic woman out of Manitoba. Um, and we got into personal development, uh, the rise of the entrepreneur. What does it mean to be free? Uh, what is a free economy versus a controlled economy like we live in and like we're hurtling towards with all this Klaus Schwab nonsense? Um, what do we do as individuals, as patriots, as truth warriors? What do we do to change our situation? Um, and so she had a lot of amazing advice just for the overall mindset. And I thought it was a really good show. So go ahead and check that out. Uh, quick note about my Patriot switch project. Um, it is absolutely hopping and I just want to do real quick. Let me come back oh, before we do this one. Let me just make sure I didn't miss any other updates. Haven't done any more of these, but you can check out my drive with Dave. We got Dr. Carrie Madej on there. If you haven't heard this, I read out uh, this article by Michael Tessarian uh, called An Address to the Dead. 
And I just read it for you guys because I know not everybody can sit there and read, although I do advise that you do read it. Um, just go put it on, listen to it. It's a hard hitting, it's kind of like the John Galt speech for the truth community and the sleeping zombie community. It's really, really good. And um, I think it adds a lot of benefits. So go check that out. Um, let me just bring it back real quick because I want to do a quick shout out of gratitude to my amazing team that has helped me with this Patriot Switch project. Guys, we've done some really good work in just the past five weeks, five, six weeks uh, in talking to people, in building this pro uh, project, bringing this concept out. And I needed a team to help me with it. And a bunch of people answered the call. Many of them were listeners to this show and they are just doing phenomenal work over there uh, with Patriot Switch. And I just wanted to give a shout out to them. I know you guys are working so hard. Uh, my eternal gratitude for your efforts. It's really starting to pay off. We are switching people from Amazon, Walmart, Target, all these big box stores. There's essentially 11 major corporations that run all the shelf space in all the big stores with everything we buy. And uh, so we found some really good alternatives. We found a really good alternative Patriot owned store. So go check it out, support the team, support the mission. It's growing exponentially. We're getting other podcasters involved. It's rocking. And this is how we can starve the beast, support alternative media, support all the families involved. It's an incredible project and you can get it at patriotswitch.com forward slash truth warrior. Make sure you add that forward slash truth warrior so they know that I sent you. And what else am I going to do here? I want to bring up <clears throat> real quick my good friend Josh's website. He's got an incredible project going on at it's the redpillproject.online. I'll show that to you guys real quick here redpillproject.online and I'll let Josh explain a little bit more, but uh, this is where you can go to find all the stuff that they're involved with. Uh, just an incredible site and they're everywhere doing so many good stuff, working with a lot of great people and uh, they got a really good team. I like Josh because he's very eclectic in the subjects that he covers and I love people like that and we're the new media. So without further ado, let me welcome today's guest. Mr. Josh Reed. There he what? is. Welcome, brother, to the show. What's How up? You doing? How are we doing? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Very good. Very good. Um, you and I spent the night going through pretty much everything that exists in this reality. And I loved it. And I learned a lot, actually. Um, and I thought, you know what? You and I got to work together more. We, we think alike in so many ways. The level of research that you've done and also the ability that you have to retain a lot of that research. I think one of the problems that I've always had is I've learned more. I forgot more than I've learned now. I forgot more than I know. You just go through so many books, so many uh, people, and your ability to retain it and articulate it, break it down. Your energy is always just amazing. Um, so I'm super thrilled to have you here, brother. I appreciate that, man. Those are some kind words. I mean, as for my memory, my wife would say that it's horrible and I forget <laughs> things all the time. Um, I tell her that, look, I, I only remember the things that are I, I, I deem important to me. And so, you know, like taking out the trash and things like that, just like, oh man, I always forget about it. Do the dishes. I forget about it. Um, you know, kids, picking up the kids. I forget it. No, I'm joking. I don't forget about the kids. Uh, but no, I, absolutely. It's, um, I've had a wonderful, uh, a wonderful life. I mean, you know, a lot of people like to talk about the hard times in their lives and the, the trials and the tribulations of their lives. And I've definitely had trials and tribulations. I've definitely had experiences in my life that have brought me to moments. But 
it was a, a conscious understanding that has brought me to the point where I am today, where I can reflect back on that and look and say that, that those were wonderful experiences, even the bad, because it molds you into who you are becoming. And we talk about personal development a lot. And I always say that if you're, if you're, if you're wondering what happened or you're, you're always identifying yourself as who you were, you're never going to become who you always wanted to be. You always have to look to the future. You always have to be building that person of who you always want to become other than that. And so, you know, now in this retro retrospection of my life, um, you know, I started early with hallucinogenic drugs, 13. Um, wow. I started eat, eating LSD at 13. Um, and I had some amazing experiences, like just, um, well, you can imagine mind blowing experiences. And one night I, I ate some LSD. And I read this book, Dr. Mashio Kaku's Hyperspace. And it was about string theory and quantum physics. And I'm like, this is my life. This, I'm going to dedicate my life to this. Um, and that's when shit started getting weird. Because that led to the Bible. That led to the Maratha Bhatta. That led to the Bhagavad Gita, the Upanishads, the Thapapadas, all these classical mythological, uh, classical books and metaphysics and so forth. And I started to grow. And I started getting introduct introduced into, um, you know, Hermetic Order, the Golden Dawn, uh, Hermeticism, Rosicrucians, you know, all this stuff about esoteric and occult knowledge. And I'm like, why isn't this taught? Why, why don't people talk about these things? And it was really this, psycholog uh, this psychedelic journey in my life that brought me to a lot of this information. It gave me this baseline when I was younger. Then I joined the military. <laughs> and... I traveled to 28 different countries around the world, uh, primarily third world countries. Um, I did uh, narco-terrorism in the South Pacific. I was a member of the Visit Board Search and Seizure Team where we worked with the Coast Guard Lead Debt, where we would accompany them um, going on to fishing vessels that were basically uh, smuggling cocaine or human beings. Um, and I got introduced to human trafficking when I was 19, when we started finding migrant vessels in the middle of the South Pacific. If you know where the South Pacific is, we did this on our, our show Fringe one night. If you go to west of South America and you turn a globe, that whole side of the globe is nothing but water. And it's like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. There's something missing there. And there really is. But it's a conversation for a different day. <laughs> we operated over here and we used to find, uh, well, we found three of them the whole time I was deployed. And basically what happens is in South America, you have uh, parents who want to give their children a better life because they live in a third world country. They don't see it getting better anytime soon. So they save up for two to three years. It's about $200 per kid. And they sell their children to um, fishermen. And the fishermen had basically set up everything with the human traffickers. And they say, hey, your child's going to go to this family in America. And they show them pictures of these families and say, your children are going to go here. This is what they need to do. This is who they need to contact when they get there. And the fishermen take them out to the middle of this ocean, about 250, 300 miles out of international, uh, off of the, the international coastline, um, off of South America, and they leave them there. And this is a waypoint. And so what happens now wow. is you have other fishing vessels called logistics support vessels that come about and they drag that barge to different waypoints until they get them to Guatemala, Honduras, or El Salvador. And from there, those children are trekked, marched all the way up to the Mexican border where they're taken over the United States border in the United States by human traffickers. And then they're never seen from again. And so, and the military was aware of this for a long time. Oh yeah. We our per, one of our purposes being out there was to interdict, interdict this stuff. Mm -hmm. Was to actually find these children. And most of, and some of the times we found the children. Um, and 
you know, it, for some people, this, this can be bad to hear this, but. We're going to all hear it soon, Josh. It's all coming out, man. Eight out of 10 of those barges are never found. Yeah. I can imagine. What means that the fishermen don't find them either. Mm. And so they're never found again. Um, and we found a few that, I mean, and you got to remember, we're at the equator, 140 degrees. They're on a big, gray, dark barge, um, open view. There's no water. There's no food. All they have is what's on them. You're talking young girls who are pregnant. You're talking when you get there, there's there's some that are deceased. Um, it, it's bad. It, it's It's horrible. And it's horrid. And I got introduced to this young. So, you know, my worldview was changed. My worldview completely was like, oh, my God, the world's a beautiful place. Earth is so wonderful. And then all of a sudden I started seeing the evils of the world. And then I started connecting it together through, you know, people like David Icke, Alex Jones, Bill Cooper, um, and, and a few others. And so I started putting it together. And I'm like, there, there's more here. There's more going on here than meets the eye. Right. And, and so, you had, so you had a combination of, you know, you had these crazy experiences that drove you to go and do like just the research, like get the books. It drove you to go into the ancient world, look at all this comparative religion mythology that was very similar to my journey. Um, you know, researching things on an exoteric and esoteric level, and then also having experiences because of your work in the military. So you've had a combination of inputs that just at a young age, launched you into the stratosphere and now i'm sure it's just been an ongoing epic saga of continuing to put these pieces together yeah it was um you know when i got back to um the united states i was in station out of san diego for six years and then i went to dc for a few years and when i got to dc i started to realize that there was more integration to this whole thing than i could ever imagine this was 2008 obama had just come in and uh I was working at the Washington Navy Yard, which is a big naval base down in middle of Washington, D.C., and I started seeing the problems firsthand in our government, uh, excessive spending, the $1,000 for a hammer. I worked as a military police officer, did private security for senators and congressmen, and then I transitioned because I got injured uh, into a, a role of logistics. Uh, but looking at what was happening down there, watching the generals and the admirals just completely turn a shoulder to Obama was something else. It was just, if you go back and you watch like the con congressional oversights and everything like that, that was happening, these generals and these admirals getting up and testifying about military spending when Obama came in, they're basically giving the big F you to Obama saying, we're not working with you. And it was like a, a, a political militaristic battle during that time. And for, Did they also know about Hillary? Oh, absolutely. Oh, everybody kind of knew about, yeah, the Clintons yeah. and yeah, it was. And so here's the thing is during this time, if you remember about 2008, this was all like conspiracy, conspiracy. There was no evidence or relevant, uh, relative uh, information on the Internet really about this that made any sense that would actually tie all this together. That happened circa 2012, 2016 time frame. Um, but Obama started basically just cleaning house and only keeping people that uh, were loyal to him and to their agenda in place. And I realized that I had to get out of there. I just could, did not want to be there because um, there was a lot of energy. I mean, I'm, I'm very 
um, I'm a controlled empath. So basically there's, there's three different transmissions of energy. You can, you can accept energy and understand someone's emotional side and everything like that. And you get affected by it, Then you can pass through energy or you can give energy. So a controlled empath is someone who understands all of that exchange and understands how to control it to a certain extent. But to there, it was so overwhelming that I just had to get out. And so I got out of the military after 10 years. Um, and I, I just, we wanted to move to San Diego and my buddy was living in Denver, Colorado when I left and I started moving and I stopped in Denver, Colorado for two weeks to stay with my buddy. And I never left because there was just something about this place. It was a reconnection back to nature. The mountains brought some type of, of balance, right? And also it formed this, this level of protection, which I felt was necessary of what was about to come. Um, little did I know it'd be almost 10 years later before everything started unfolding, unraveling it. And I, I questioned myself for a long time, like, man, was this actually, you know, were these theories of, of these conspiracies and all this really happening? Was this really real? Or were we just kind of like, you know, taking information and, and misunderstanding it? Right. And now, holy shit. <laughs> it's like, I've run out of conspiracy theories. I need some fresh ones already. Cause all of them are coming true. Yeah. If we look at it now, it's just like, I, I can't believe how spot on the majority mm. of us were. Um, like Alex Jones. I mean, I remember I stopped listening to Alex Jones about 2011. The reason is, is because it, it was depressing. Yeah. It was, it was, it was anger and hatred. Cause that, I mean, that's just, he's a good dude. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think he's a good dude, but he just spews out that. It, and it feeds on people. And I just, I didn't want to be around that. And so I stopped just, I kind of, I went normal. I went, became a normie, man. I went and got a nine to five job and, um, you know, worked for, I actually worked at the Denver international airport. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. Dead serious. I worked at the Denver international airport for six and a half years for a major uh, airline. Um, I oversaw 27, uh, 27 airports, uh, it infrastructure to, uh, customer support. So pretty big job, but, um, I was at DIA and what we actually used to do is get into the carts and go into the tunnels and look for the secret entrances. Did you find any? So I got a theory. And this is from six and a half years of working at Denver International Airport. Everybody has to understand that. I met this guy in the smoking lounge one time. He's like, I'm just here to go to the airport. I'm looking for the secret tunnels. I want to find the bathroom with the nine foot tall, you know, uh, uh, piss pots. And I'm like, it doesn't exist. He goes, I'll find it. Right. And I'm like, dude, you're not going to find anything. I've been through this whole thing. Um, right next to Denver International. So Denver International Air Airport is 54 square miles, uh, just outside of Denver, Colorado, but it's actually the city of Denver owns those square miles. Right next to it is Buckley Air Force Base. If you start getting into the old architecture, the old um, design plans and understanding of what happened in the history during that time, you had Marietta. Uh, this is Martin Marietta Aerospace, but this is Marietta. Uh, they actually did underground um, infrastructure building. And so there's, if you look at the, the, you know, the capsule, the Freemason capsule, where it's dedicated by, you look at those companies, you do research on those companies, right. you're not going to find any information on them. But one of those companies, when I started doing research in the late 1990s, was actually one of the ones that made underground tunnels. And so I think it's completely legitimate that there's something under there, but this is what we have to look at in perspective is if you go to Buckley Air Force Base, which is right next to Denver International Airport, then you have Lockheed Martin, you have Raytheon, and you have a few other um, major military industrial complex places around that whole area. And it's just, they already had 
an underground base there. I want people to understand this. There was an underground base in Denver well before the airport was ever there. Right. And it would make sense because if you get into what we talked about with Phil Schneider and and the whole underground uh, bases, who else did I interview years ago? He literally wrote the book on it. Um, I'm trying to remember his name, but this research was already kind of done that there were underground bases all over, all over the world, really. I mean, they're, they're these things, but mainly in certain locations. And so if they're building these airports and then putting all this crazy symbolism all over the place, um, maybe people have drawn conclusions, but it's not wrong to do. It's not crazy to draw conclusions about this stuff. You know what I mean? Because yes. of what we know. So to kind of go into this is that there's always this underground base there. Well, in 1986 or 88, Buckley Air Force Base went to a reserve component, a reserve base. It means there's no longer an active duty base. 1992, one month before Denver International Airport was christened, it became an active duty base again. That was like an indication like, oh, what, what's going on here? And this is where I started looking there. Now, if we look at the whole train system underneath that's actually in the tunnels, and this was supposed to be a baggage claim system that they spent $1.2 billion on. It makes no sense. I've seen this thing. It doesn't work. And it's absolutely generic and crap. It, it is, it, dude, it, it would probably cost less than $10 million to build what they're talking about here. Um, and it doesn't work. And so the... The fact is is that they did that. It doesn't start to make sense that this is what that money was spent on. But if you go down, like, for instance, B concourse, and you go into the tunnels underneath the B concourse, you have these massive HVAC systems that are in a a, a sub-level. So you have the tunnel that goes underneath the concourse, and then you have a sub-level that drops down about 45, 50 feet. And it's gated off, and it's blocked off, and it's locked up, and you can't get down there. Well, the interesting thing about um, this whole HVAC system is all the piping runs down, not up. Mm, interesting. And I said, whoa. And it yeah. made my, me and my co-host Jeff, he worked there with me. We were down there and we had purple badges. So we could go at purple sighted badges. We can go anywhere in the airport. And we're sitting there and I'm taking pictures. I'm like, motherfucker, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And we're looking at him. I'm like, that's what they're using to pump carbon dioxide in there. And so, but you realize that there is no entrance to the secret military base on Denver International Airport. There isn't, there's no entrance there. You actually have to go to Buckley to get in there. And this was confirmed to me, a prior military, by people I know who work at Buckley. So the entrance would be, but it could still be that we have underground systems throughout the entire area. So when I was in the Navy, um, I worked with some old school. So I, my my rate in, in the Navy was a fire controlman. So this is, I worked on weapon control systems, advanced weapon control systems, computer digital integration systems, communication systems, everything that you can think of in the sense of gun, uh, gun and missile fire control system, right? Uh, well, I came from an old DS, data system space. This means that it was the computers, the digital systems that operated this. Um, a lot of the guys that I worked with uh, were out of uh, Spay War in San Diego. And they were technical support. They're old, retired master chiefs and senior chiefs from the Navy. Um, the one that I talked to, and he basically said, is that our current modern view on electronics is completely wrong. You need to take everything that you know and just throw it out the window. And we're going to start over today. And this is a dude with 30 years experience in military um, electronic equipment. And he says, you want me to show you this? Let me help. Let me do you a favor. And he opens up one of our schematics for what we know is a UIK Yuck 7 computer. This is like a mainframe computer we use in the Navy. They're really archaic. They're built back in the 60s. Um, and we, he opens up the schematics and he goes, what is that thing right there? I go, well, that's a transistor. He goes, yeah, but look at the date on the patent rights. 
And the patent date for the transistor was 1936. Really? And Bell Laboratories didn't create the transistor until 63. Okay. So how far ahead do you, that you know is the U.S. military from what's in the public market? Well, let me go in. Let me go into this okay. bit because this guy up. is this guy's awesome. And so he's trying to show me basically how electronics work, why electronics work, how all this all these systems integrate. And he's really he's being very practical, right? And so he goes, listen, he goes, I worked on a project with a guy, and uh, this this guy he's uh, a defense contractor. You will not know his name, but he is a multi billionaire in the world, um, and that's because what he did is he built the digital systems for all the underground um, uh, train stations. I said, what do you mean underground train stations? He goes, I'm telling you right now, every military installation or just about every military installation in the United States is connected through an underground tunneling system. I'm like, what? He goes, come on, smart guy. How the hell do you get submarines in the middle of Nevada? I'm like, what? And so then he shows me submarines in the middle of Nevada. And I'm like, Oh, oh uh, yeah. And he goes, what you know about earth and how the earth is actually formed is very, very true. But what, one thing that you need to understand is the reason we have fresh water on land is because salt oceanic salt water seeps up through the earth's crust through the bedrock and gets filtered out that filters out that salt and forms fresh water. And he goes, what that's done for millions of years is produce a cavern system underneath North America. And we can actually take our submarines in underneath the continental shelf. Really? And you can bring them up in saltwater lakes and so forth. And oh my um, God. yeah. And so he said this idea in the 1950s, when they realized this, they began building underground tunneling, connecting bases, and they, they did um, maglev trains. Right. This is what we've heard so much about. Yep. And so the guy who built this whole cavern system and the maglev trains is this contractor. And this dude worked with them. And he's like, I'm, I'm not bullshit. There's no reason. Josh, there's no reason to bullshit. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm old. I'm going to die one day. And just, you know what? This is what it is. And he goes, so this was kind of reiterated. Okay. By a shipmate of mine on my ship. Right. So we're out. And this is many years later. We're out on employment. And he had been in the Navy for a very long time. He was coming up on about, this is 2004. He had been in the Navy. He came in 84, 85. Um, and he was an under uh, underwater sonar technician, but he had a special insignia that nobody knew what it was. Um, he goes, well, I worked on an acoustic array system that nobody really knows about. And I'm like, well, what's this acoustic array system? He goes, well, I guess I can talk about it now since it's uh, the Cold War is over. And so basically what he told me is that he used to work at um, uh, anti-submarine warfare stations off the West Coast, and they would sit in these rooms, which are classified rooms, and monitor the ocean floor. I'm like, well, how are you monitoring the ocean floor? He goes, through the 70s and the 80s, the United States military had submarines basically dropping acoustic paneling on the bottom of the ocean floor. I'm like, what? And he goes, these acoustic paneling basically utilize some conductivity within the ocean water that pr produce wireless connections, and they all interconnect. And they basically provide this, this sonar table, or if you want to look at it, like a radar table underneath the ocean floor. And this was the monitor for Soviet subs. I said, this is nuts. He goes, what was even more nuts is when we started detecting the USOs. I'm like, 
what? <laughs> he goes, he goes, I used to sit there and watch these objects underwater traveling Mach 4, Mach 5, and we could not explain it. Massive objects bigger than cities. We could not explain it. And he goes, they would all head towards these caverns under the continents. Okay, pause for a sec, Josh. This is, okay, this is, okay, so this kind of, you know what it does is it confirms a lot of stuff. And it's Richard yeah. Souter. Dr. Richard Souter is the guy I interviewed. I don't know if you've heard of him. He wrote a bunch of books about the underground world. He was a contractor for a while. And he basically gets into like, you know, where all there's even underground bases under the Mormon temple in Salt Lake City. There's all kinds of stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. And what you're basically talking about. So for those that aren't in on that lingo, the USOs, we're talking about unidentified submerged objects. OK, yep. so objects that the military can't identify that are doing the same kind of thing that a lot of we hear about these craft that are making right angle turns at 5,000 miles an hour. They're deactivating nuclear warheads and then flying off. There's all kinds of weird stuff, right? But under the underwater thing, this kind of started getting popular in from what I've heard in the whole UFO research community. Um, after there was a big dump from what these Russian uh, whistleblowers apparently were talking about, right? And then more came out. And then so basically what you're saying is your contact the guy you knew in the military was just openly talking to you about this stuff. Yeah. And, um, he was a part of the project that actually was listening to these acoustic array panels. Oh, okay. And he talked about these, these craft and he said they would enter. He said, uh, he goes, many people don't know, but we have these caverns underneath the continents and they've been formed by years and years of erosion of ocean water, basically going in underneath the uh, underneath the continent and then seeping right. up. And this is where fresh water comes from. We can actually go in and manipulate these caverns. And he goes, these things, they have bases underneath the continent. Now take that into consideration when you start thinking like Dulce, mm. right? So if they have caverns underneath the continent that they can enter and they have bases built and basically carved out of these caverns, then you can actually enter them from the surface level as well. Wow. Oh, I think there we go. You're back. You just froze for a sec there, oh, Josh. Sorry. Can yeah. you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. You're good. Um, so yeah, so you basically, so how does that relate in terms of your research? And this is one of the most fascinating subjects, by the way, of the ancient sites of like Derinkuyu, Turkey and other places where there's these underground caverns that were actually built out to house livestock, uh, at least 20,000 people. Mm -hmm. um, it, and th these are all over the place. You got some really interesting place. You got these sites like Lalibela in Africa. Um, that is like a, a church that was dug into the rock. You know, just weird stuff like that. But the underground yeah. systems alone um, is is incredible because it's not something that's just new because the military is using it. Um, and it's definitely something bigger than just them having a strategic advantage. There's something bigger going on. What's your connection to the ancient underground sites and what we now know with the military underground sites? So this goes back to... If we start to get into history, if we start to get into understanding our past, um, there are some major gray zones here. And we start to realize that a lot of our history, specifically World War One and World War II, what was happening in this time frame is not the truth. Yeah. Um, so much more going on in that. Adolf Hitler rose up to power, national socialist power, even if this is true. 
um, you have to take into consideration Astara and the secret societies that they built up within their inner circles. Um, and Hitler was obsessed with this type of information, specifically from Alice Bailey, Madame Blavatsky, all this type of information about the esoteric of the occult, and more specifically about a race of beings called the Viril. Right. Now, he believed that there was an entrance to what he would consider hollow earth in the Arctic. Um, and he took an expedition out there, and supposedly what they found was the actual entrance. And this is why the Arctic and Antarctica now are very well protected in the sense of airspace. But if you start understanding the Viril, you see that they call their people the Anna, A-N-A. Now, that's interesting because there's a group of people called the Anunnaki, and these are the Anu. And so just knowing that in 1860s, when the first relevance of the Anna, the Viril, started coming out, Right. This came from, I forget the guy's name, but it came from a researcher who actually traveled there. And he was told that they called themselves the Anna. And now this is pre-Anunnaki. This is before any of the Anunnaki stories are told. This is before any uh, depiction of the Sumerian tablets are done within the 1900s. This is the, the 19th century. This is in the 1800s. And so they have that similarity within the English language or either in that the, the uh, Semitic languages, right, of Anu and Anna. Just in, by the way, Anu, I believe is water, means water. It, the, the same word is derived from the same context. Now to have that is just remarkable. Now, what we start learning about the Anunnaki and everything that happened with them is that they, they had, they lived underground. They went underground for protection and that they had bases and caverns underground. Now, I don't know the relevance to this, to all these ancient monuments and sites. I'm a firm believer that, um, What's been happening on this planet for circa 2,000 years is not what we've been told. And I don't even think that it's been 2,000 years that all this has happened. I think everything that's- It goes that's, way back. Well, I think it goes way back, and Michael Tessarian will will vouch for this, that 50,000 years ago is when all this started, right? But 50,000 years ago, we had to look at the civilization on this planet. And what we find is that that civilization was buried intentionally. Hmm. Go back like Tepe. We, we talked about it the other night. I said, take the Great Pyramids, for example, right? The Great Pyramids were buried under sand until about the late 1700s. Okay? So for almost 1700 years, there's like the Egyptians like, oh, we forgot about them. We don't know where we put them. <laughs> right? Like, we don't know where they are. Yeah, just a mile up north. But we forgot about them. No, they didn't forget about them. They were buried intentionally, not by the Egyptians. That's what we have to understand is that everything on this planet of the old civilization was buried intentionally to hide it from somebody or something. And it, I forgot what it was. I just, I just had more relevant information pertaining to what we're talking about here. Oh, it was uh good, good. No, good. Oh yeah. No, you remember whatever. We were just kind of talking about the connection between the old world and what's happening now. Like I, I personally, everybody likes to split everything up into compartments, right? But I'm a big picture guy and I know you're a big picture guy. And if I were to say, Josh, what do you think as a timeline happened that now we're going to start to confront that reality more and more as that veil starts to drop, as this information starts to come out, it's going to be unstoppable especially with people like us out there. Mm -hmm. um, there's a, there's all this history that's missing and it's not just about humans on the surface. 
there's a series that I would love to do, which is called Underworld. And it's the idea that we live on this surface and everybody's got their thing about flat earth and all that. But, but think about, I'm more of a hollow earth guy. Me too. And I think that we're dealing with uh, something far bigger than we can even imagine. It's been told about in different ancient texts. Every religion has their name for these types of beings that have interacted with humanity. Everybody fights over this stuff. It's probably the most contentious issue on the planet. There's also been a massive circus created around it, right? With Hollywood and just all these conventions. But like, there is a truth to it that when you start looking at ancient myths and legends, and then you start looking at the ancient archaeology, especially the alternative stuff that you need to look at, then you get into testimony from people in the military. Then you get into modern day sightings of these craft, these UFOs, these things that in these USOs. And then you think, oh, the Eisenhower meeting, what was that about? Uh, what has created this? What's going on with this cult that exists in the underworld of our civilization that is behind Hollywood, that has uh, uh, infiltrated its way into a lot of our big corporations and governments around the world, the economy? How does this relate to this war, war that we're in right now? I called this episode world at war. We're at war of consciousness, really. We got this yeah, stuff yeah. heating up in the Middle East. I'm just going to throw a bunch of shit at you and then you can go. You the Middle East, you got the oil fiasco. We got stuff going on with Trump. He seems to be making moves. More information coming out about human trafficking, uh, which I think is also linked to this whole thing that you're talking about. It's not just a bunch of guys in Haiti or whatever. This is big, big, big. How would you piece that together just from the ancient world to now? about what you think has happened here? Are we talking spiritual dimensions? Are we talking extraterrestrial dimensions? Or is it just a bunch of greedy royal families that have always tried to maintain power on the planet? Or all of the above? It's, um, I would not separate extraterrestrial from spiritual. See, that's- I'm with you on that. We're, we're, we're separated right now. So think about this is this whole interdimensional talk, density talk, third, fourth, fifth dimension, all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, the way people explain it, especially modern science or the way that people in the new age movement explain it doesn't do it justice. Okay. The best way to explain um, the dimensionality. Okay. And this is the context we have to bring in to understand this massive worldview. Right. Is take a radio station. Okay. The majority, I say there's three evolutionary branches of humanity. You have a lower evolutionary branch, you have a middle evolutionary branch, and you have a higher evolutionary branch. The lower evolutionary branch are the ones that are dominated by emotions. These are the ones that live in the realm of effect. That means that everything that happens to them is uh, instigated by their external environment. So they're reacting to the world continuously. These reactions are mainly emotional because of the psychological warfare going on. Okay. The second person, the middle man, this person has a balance. They understand that the world is manipulating them and that the information can be manipulated. There's different levels of this, but they also have a control, a discipline over their own life. And then you have the third man. This would be the magician. This is the, the, the one who has learned the ancient secrets. This is the one that has the ability to rise above the laws in the lower plane. And flow what people the, might call the geniuses, right? Like some of these great geniuses. No, I wouldn't even or, say they're geniuses. I, I mean, I think that, that I, I think uh, you know, Jesus, genius is a level of mental capacity. Uh, right. This is a this is a capacity of knowledge and action, of wisdom, hmm. of understanding these things and flowing with it and being in resonance with it. Okay, so we have these three evolutionary branches of humanity, and I'd say that people like you and I and our audiences, we're more at that upper level of that middle. We're not we're not at that. I mean. 
I don't know how long you've been. I, I know you've been in the, the, the magic arts and the occult arts for a long time. There's people out there who can move mountains. Literally. And what does that mean? You have to understand what comes next. You have to understand this thing. You have to understand what is actually happening. We're going to get into this. And this is the whole worldview that we're talking about. But we'll come back to the whole man moving mountains here in a second because it's going to make a lot more sense when I bring this full circle. Right? Full circle. Jim Pisaki. You circle okay. back. <laughs> circle back around. Okay. So we have to look at it as like, let's say that each human being has a resonant frequency. This is derived from your DNA. Your DNA is a... Um, a fractal electromagnetic antenna. Okay. This, you go up and if anybody's interested in this, go to Google and just type in DNA fractal antenna, and you'll see research paper from the National Institutes of Health. You'll see tons of stuff on it. I'm not bullshitting you here. Now it exists in a frequency range about 34.5 gigahertz. Okay. But this, this range goes up and down. This means that we are electromagnetic beings. Think about it. Every sensory um, interaction that we have, our sight, our taste, our smell, our touch are all electromagnetic. People are like, how is touch electromagnetic? Well, because the atoms in your body, okay, are actually touching the atoms in this material that I touch. And what's interacting is electrons. And when those electron states interact, they repel each other. And that's an electromagnetic interaction. Okay. And the same thing for taste, because taste actually happens at a chemical level, but that taste is actually interacting on the electro electron level of the atomic structure. And so all of our senses are electromagnetic in nature. Our DNA is an electromagnetic transducer. It takes in electrical signaling and puts out electrical signaling, right? Okay. So when we look at the thing in the sense of everybody is a radio antenna, Imagine for a moment that some that the average consensus reality exists at 103.5 megahertz, right? This is like consensus reality. The current reality that's being broadcast right now is 103.5 megahertz. Some people, they exist at 99.2 and they have a hard time in life, right? Because they they're, they're, they're trying to match that frequency of the consensus reality. Yeah. There's a set of, there's a, there's a level of dissonance between right. them and the consensus reality. Their DNA isn't attuned, resonating with that consensus reality. But then here's the other thing. Some people are at 105.4 or 106. And it's the same thing for them. They're seeing a whole different world. Information is, is processed completely differently. And they look at everything. They see the connections. They see the patterns. They see how things are unfolding. And they go, how are you guys so blind? Why don't you see this? Now, just to ask this question, Josh, because this is important. And it's even from my curiosity of how to wrap my head around this. So yeah. um, I'm a consensus reality vibrating person. I meet somebody that's at a, a higher attunement on the genetic electromagnetic level. We're at the park. We're both seeing the same weather pattern. We're both seeing the same trees and mountains and water and that duck that just went by, you know, all those things that's in the reality of this planet. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's, what's the difference then? It's not like he's in a completely different reality, the way people think of it. It's that there's a different feedback loop and experience that's happening within that. Is that kind of like, how do you, how do we differentiate? Cause otherwise oh, it's, man. I'm in a reality, you're in a reality, you're in a reality and Klaus Schwab and David Rockefeller in different realities. And we're all in these, it's like, well, there's a reality that has an effect on this whole world. Like there's a, there possibly is going to be a war going on in the Middle East. We're okay. all looking at it, but yet gotta, we're receiving information on different levels. Is that how it goes? Yeah. But okay.
Okay, let me, I got to give a baseline for this too. You have to give me the circle back around to come back to the antenna. Okay. Okay. Now, yeah. Yeah. Energy. NRG. Okay. If you look at the basic scientific definitions of energy, they're going to say it's the ability to do work, the functionality, right? But Einstein defined it a little bit differently. He never actually made a definition of the word energy. But basically he said is that all mass is energy um, times the speed of light squared. But what does that mean? The ability to do the work, the ability to do work times the speed of light squared? That makes no fucking sense, right? We're talking about motion. Well, what is motion? There has to be some type of substrate. There has to be some foundation to what energy is. And this is the one thing that is not defined in any of the scientific academies. Okay. So how much energy can I combine into a small little ball? Is it a finite amount or an infinite amount? Modern science would tell us the laws of thermodynamics state that I can only put a certain amount of information, a finite amount of information or energy into a finite space. Right. right. And that is going to have a certain equivalence factor to the size and the containment of what that space is, of what it's made of or, or whatever it is. Right. Okay. So a baby is conceived and the baby starts, the cells start going from meiosis and start combining. They form the fetus and the fetus turns into the baby. Right. Now, do you think that your whole consciousness can fit into that baby? The energy of your entire consciousness can fit into that baby at that point in time? No, no. Only Not based on portion. that. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Only a small portion. This is why as we grow up, we're not conscious fully. This is why the first seven years of our life, we're actually unconscious. We're very, very unconscious. We live predominantly within the subconscious mind. And so everybody's not going to know what I'm talking about. When you hit puberty, you had the sensation falling back and like, oh, I'm falling. And you wake up and you're jolted up in the middle of the night. This is like one of the, the initiations of men when they fall into that state of puberty. The reason what's actually happening is, is when you fall asleep at night, what's actually happening is your consciousness is recessing backwards. Okay. It's moving out of your body somewhere, something or something's happening. Right. And this is the first time that it becomes noticeable. And I say, this is the actual time that you become conscious. Now, if I look back at my childhood, and I've been very conscious of the things in my life. I remember my first conscious moment. It's my first memory. It's my first memory that I know definitely happened. And it's a conscious moment that I'm like, oh, I'm alive. I'm, I'm real. This is, this is happening. And I was I five years old. Those. Yeah. Okay. There you go. You have two of them. Yeah. I was five. The next one was at 10. And after 10, I remember everything. I remember everything that happened. And the reason being is because your consciousness comes into being. Now think about right. that. Right. Your consciousness comes into being. As your body grows, it gains a higher state of energy which means that it can take on more and more consciousness within that state of energy, right? Right. Now, this is completely dependent upon the DNA, the integration of DNA, the, the neurological structures and pathways that are created and how well attuned it is to the, the natural state of things, right? So some people, those three branches of humanity, the small, medium, and large, some people don't fully come into consciousness, come into being. Does that make mm. a lot of sense? Yep. Is that yep. consciousness itself is this evolution that occurs within the physical state, within the physical body. And we have to prepare ourselves at a younger age for that coming into being. This is why you see through all different types of uh, um, um, tribal history that there's this initiation when children in, in Hebrew uh, or in, in Ju Judaism, they have uh, the, the bar mitzvah, right? is everything is just coming into being. This is when the consciousness comes into the body fully. 
But here's right. the thing. So it doesn't have to stop there. It can continue throughout your life. And it does continue throughout your life. And here's the thing is, you know, this happens because when you start to decline, when you start to decline within your physical state is when the consciousness starts leaving, recessing back to where it came. But some people, monks and so forth, can retain that level. This is a... this is amazing shit I'm talking about it, here, buddy. Totally. And we could go in that. And so let's circle back so we don't lose the train. So we were talk, yeah. thinking about how, okay, in the, in, the, in the community of people that think there's something other than just physical matter, okay? So if you're a materialist scientist, uh, I'm sorry, this isn't for you, um, unless you want to think outside the box. But the idea right. is that if we look at this idea of these beings, everybody's got their description of, everybody's fighting over who are these beings? Are they spiritual? Are they demons? Are they archons? Are they jinn? Are they ETs from Jaco, you know, Draco, whatever, star system? Um, you were saying, don't separate consciousness from that equation. And I like that because I've always said, we've all named it different things. We've all written different mythological stories about it. And we've all projected our consciousness onto what we think these things are. That's something we have to keep in the forefront of our mind. And then the only thing we can look at as evidence is to say, well, I am a being that has a physical quality in this physical world and also a consciousness, spiritual dimensional quality as well, which exists in the mind and spirit. So why would I not think that if there were other beings out there that are not terrestrial to this planet, that they would also have that ability to be both physical and dimensional and spiritual? That's the simple way I think of it. But what would you say to that? Well, I think that what these beings are is at the bottom line, conscious. They're conscious. It's consciousness. It's just consciousness manifested in a different form, whatever that form might be, whether it's a jinn or so forth. If we go back to the antenna that we're all radio antennas, we're all picking up these frequencies. And we're going to get into the third, fourth, fifth dimension, what this all means here in a second, is that these beings are the same thing. They're just different antennas on that same spectrum. Right. Their consciousness picks up at a different spectrum. And that, and that level, in, in, in my mind, the higher you are, the larger the amplitude of that frequency on that wavelength, right? is how much you can encompass of reality at that level. And this is where we get, get that separation that you're just talking about. What is the difference between that person existing at 99.5 or 105.3 or that person at 106? It's um, imagine that consciousness, right? Is either a golf ball or a softball or a basketball of how it in, inter, integrates with your physical body. Those people at 99.5, their consciousness is a golf ball. Those people at 105.3 that are picking up the consensus reality, the majority, that's a baseball or a softball. Some of us, we got a basketball type of consciousness, which means that we can absorb more. We have more access to the, to the, the universal energy or Akashic record, whatever you want to call it. We, we have more access to our past lives, more information, more genetic memory, however you want to look at it. We have more of this uh, perception, more of this understanding, more of this contemplation more of this knowledge of what the universe is. So when we look at things, when we see the duck, we all see the duck, but the understanding of the duck is different. Right, right. The conscious perspective of the duck is different. What the duck is, where the duck came from, where the duck is going is perceived different. The the integration of the duck in three-dimensional space or, or how that duck's energy is resonating with nature is different. All that stuff comes into play when you're talking about these different types of people different types of resonance that we are all doing. Now, here's the thing is me and you can resonate at 106. We can also go down to 99. Well, and would you say that 
for those poor 99 people, do they have the capacity within them to rise to the next level? I believe they do. It's, but it has to be based on will, doesn't it? It has to be based on the will maybe to it. Cause sometimes people's uh, level of intelligence or energy or bioenergy or organ, whatever can be interrupted by traumatic events in their lives. And if that trauma is not addressed and dealt with, it's kind of like the whole integrate the shadow thing or go through your own journey under underworld cycle. If you don't do that, you will remain at that level. And then put on top of that, the fact that, these architects of control, whatever you want to call it, they're very aware that human consciousness in our life cycle on this planet was also severely traumatized in the ancient past. This gets into the whole catastrophe thing. So th those things can affect the ability of signal that we're able to, out to output, but mm -hmm. nobody should ever feel like this is deterministic completely. There's definitely limitations. Like I'm limited that I'm 5'11", I'll never be seven feet tall. But there's with your consciousness, you can work it out like a muscle. You can do that inner work and you can rise to that next frequency, That's right? It. 100%. And see, this is what has been stolen from us. This was the point of changing our history. This is the point of why our ancestors buried the sacred knowledge. This is why all that sacred knowledge went into what we know of as the occult and became esoteric and flame bearers have transferred it from adept to adept throughout the history of time. It's because we had to keep it secret from those who wished to enslave us. Now, th that whole story is a, a long story in understanding what really it was. But Michael Desarian talks about we forgot about the big clock. We forgot about the universal time. And see, these people that are manipulating us, they've been doing this for a very, very long time. And they did it for a very specific reason. They wanted to control us by this time, by that time. Not by that time, because we are controlled and dominated by that time. Right. So they got, we have, we're in an illusion. We're in their illusion. We're in their little fun house. What's their motive? What is their, in your mind, I, I have my perspective on this. You could just say they just want power and everything. Yep, for sure. But um, I kind of see this as human beings are a resource in a way. Right. And, and so there's a motivation there that's beyond a bunch of bankers getting around to make some money or some guys that just want some power and they're going to use the pandemic to scare everybody so they can get more power and take your rights away. It's got to be bigger than that because this is something that's been going on a cycle for a long time in the background. Right. Yeah. Um, this is a complex question. And uh, I've dabbled. I, I consider myself a closet physicist. So I've dabbled a little bit in physics. Right. And um, one thing that I realized, and I actually, I developed a theory on this called optimization theory. And I actually went back to college. After I, I left my job at the airport, I went back to college to validate this theory. I went to CU Boulder, one of the best physics engineering schools in the country. And I talked to many PhDs and engineers, NASA engineers about this theory. And I, I sat down with this one guy, he's a PhD theoretical physicist. Um, and I told him, this theory. And he goes, don't stop. Keep going. You're on to something. And I derived this from metaphysics. I derived it from ancient occult knowledge. Now, if I told everybody out there, anybody who's a scientist, an engineer, a physicist, whatever you are, what if I said that everything in our reality can be brought down to one simple, basic process, and that's it. There's nothing else that happens in the universe except for this one simple process, and that's it. There's only one thing that ever happens, whether it's the macro 
the, the, the macro level, the planets and the galaxies, or it's the quantum level or the subquantum. There is only one thing that ever happens in the entirety of the universe, and there's nothing else that happens. And the ancients, they talked about this. They hit it within symbology. They, they hit it within their literature, and it's all over the place, and everything is telling you the same exact thing, that there's only one thing that happens in the entirety of the universe. And this one thing is the reason why we are currently being enslaved to this point. And, and this thing is really un, easy to understand. Is think about it on a very primordial level. If we go down to the Planck's length, Planck's length is 10 to the negative 32 meters. It's the smallest thing that we know about. Think about it as like a pixel on a screen, okay? It, it's the most fundamental aspect of reality. And scientists who have tested the Planck's length, they've realized that once you break down past that length, nothing makes sense. It, it just, it just nothing, everything fails. No laws exist anymore. And so this is kind of like the lowest that we can go in this reality of understanding what's happening there. But imagine that two systems of energy at the Planck's length come together, okay? No matter what, everything is going to be at a variable state. That means there's going to be one at a high system of energy and one at a low system of energies. The laws of thermodynamics or the conservation of energy tells us that energy can be neither created nor destroyed. It can only be transferred from one medium to another or transmuted. And this is, in alchemy, we have the thing called transmutation. And basically give someone an idea of transmutation is think about drinking a soda and the body converting that soda into adenosine triphosphate, which your mitochondria use. That is transmutation of its physical state into a different state that's utilized, right? Okay. So when you have these two energies interact, there's only one thing that happens between them. The first thing is, is they come in relation to each other. They produce a relationship based upon energy, one at a higher level, one at a lower level. Then that energy begins to flow between them, right? The higher one, the one at the higher energy state comes down. The one at the lower energy state comes up and they form a new emergent system, system C, that's based upon those two in relation. The only way that this thing can exist is if those two stay in relation. That is at a more contained volume, a higher energy volume, but a lower energy state, but it's more contained. And now this thing is more integrated right? It's highly more integrated. Now we have geometry, we have functionality, we have actually things moving and happening. So this thing goes out and it interacts with another thing. And the same process happens again. Now, if we take two, we take this one third thing, this one thing that's made up of two, and we now combine it with another two. Now we have four things. So the structure becomes more integrated and intelligent as time goes on. And so if you do this process over and over and over again, for billions of years, you get what we have here, human beings. And think about what we're doing right now. We're exchanging that same energy back and forth. When I give my knowledge out, I reduce my energy state and I give that knowledge to somebody else who doesn't have it and I increase their energy state. And when you learn new knowledge, what is the one thing that you want to do? You want to go tell other people. You want to communicate it. That's you why want I to do go through it. You want to tell it and communicate it. You want to get right. rid of that energy and give it out to others. Because this is the only process that happens in the entirety of the universe, okay? So if that's the only process that happens in the entirety of the universe, then why do these beings or whatever the hell they are want to take that away from us? Why do they want to control that system of exchange? Because they want to have the benefits all flowing to them? Because we have a knowledge that they want and they don't know what it is. They don't have the answers, and we do. That's why we buried it. We have understandings of the universe. We have inert, innate 
sorry, not inner, innate knowledge within inside of us, access to higher levels and realms. We have something special within us. We are not just physical human beings that evolved from monkeys. That's, that, that's actually a load of shit. There's something interesting about our history that is not us. Okay. Everything that we know about our history is not us. It never, it, I, I would say to us, to a very, very assured sense, it never really happened. A lot of it is just stories, but who we and what we are is something completely different. And it's like something got stored in us, like something came here or whatever bestowed it upon us. And, uh, we have that flame inside us mm-hmm. and we're the envy we're, we're envied we're, there's something about us that's wanted. And so it's not just money and gold and resources that, uh, these things might be after it might go right down to what we would call the genetic or even spiritual level. Right. Yeah, so if you go back to the ancient Indian epic, by the way, which is one of the oldest books on the planet called the Maratha Bharata, right? It's about 6,000 to 8,000 years old, written in Sanskrit. And that's a whole different story because Sanskrit is a highly complex language. And since then, we've de-evolved with language. It doesn't make any sense why we de-evolve in the sense of language when we're just coming out of the fucking woods. But if you go in there, there's a story of the god Indra. And it's said in the Maratha Bharata that Indra came down to earth every thousand years and would visit for a thousand years from their star. What? what? Yeah. Indra would come from their star to earth for a thousand years to meditate and learn the path of enlightenment. Now think about that. Highly advanced being can traverse the whole entire galaxy to come to, come to earth to learn enlightenment. What did we yeah, and if they were they just didn't. spiritual, if they're just spiritual beings that they're just made of this ethereal, spiritual, whatever people think in their heads, first of all, why do they have a home star that they live on? And second of all, why would they be worried about what's going on on the physical plane of human beings on a planet? That's right. So what we see here is that this god Indra was not a god, that the, the word god has been mistranslated over the, over the years. Oh, it, that's it's a just show a, in itself, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just a higher conscious, it's just a conscious entity, another conscious entity that's not human, right? And so Indra comes here from their star system. And I, I bet it's not actually Indra, it's the Indra people, the people from that star system come here right. to learn enlightenment, the spiritual process. Now, if we go back to the stories of Mu, Lemuria, and Atlantis, we find out that the technology that we had wasn't a hard technology like phones. It was a conscious technology. It was an integration of consciousness, mind, into the natural forces of the universe and how to utilize that to travel your consciousness across the universe. That's what the Great Pyramid was. Anybody who wants to argue, the Great Pyramid was a place where you could go in there and you could transmit your consciousness across the galaxy. I thought it was just a tomb, Josh. It's supposed to be just a tomb. You know, nothing's buried there and there's no hieroglyphs anywhere of any pharaohs, but I thought it was just a tomb. Well, Cheops (laughs) actually put hieroglyphs on there. You know, you know how I give the example of what the great pyramids are? Think about if if civilization ended today, let's say 85% of the coastlines are destroyed and there's only 15% of the world left. Um, Our nuclear reactors, our power systems, our production systems, everything would go away. We'd be back in the nomadic ages. We'd be living out of the woods. We'd be hundred and gatherers. We, we'd run out of the ammunition eventually. Um, after a hundred years, there'd just be stories of what happened. It would be myth, right? Um, right. After 200 years, people will just be kind of adapting to normal life as being these hunter and gatherers and not really rebounding. Much of the ancient world, this type of world would be gone. It'd be left to the elements. After about 500 years, everything that we know of, of our world would be gone. 
Yeah, we just maybe see a couple little bits here and there. We go, oh, I just tripped over something that looked like the Statue of Liberty. Imagine the shaman coming out (laughs) and opening the book and going, what is that? Oh, this is a book. This is from the ancient world. People are like, oh my God, what does it say? I don't know how to read it, but this is what we think it says, right? It's Tom Clancy's. uh... Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, uh, yeah, it's a Stephen King novel or something. But here's the thing, is imagine these same people coming out of a tree line and finding this, this old garage. They go, oh, mm. what's that? And they open it up and inside is a fully fueled with the keys inside Ford F-150. And he gets in there and the shaman turns it on. And everybody's like, ah! And everybody's scared. And he, he revs the engine. Everybody bows down to him like he's a god. Okay. And then he starts taking his Ford F-150 and he goes to neighboring tribes and they all bow down to him to God. And he rules over these lands for 50 years. Eventually, the Ford F-150 runs out of gas. And he doesn't have to rev it anymore because it's the stories about it, the, the representation of it, the symbol of it that carries on the fear that it brought upon those people. Eventually, after about another few hundred years, people realize that it's out of gas and it doesn't work. And they overtake that tribe and all of its people. That's the Great Pyramids. That was Cheops. That's what happened in ancient Egypt. They came out and found these pyramids and go, whoa, what are those? They went inside and like, oh my God, these things still work. And they are the ones who busted it. They're the ones who broke the king's chamber because they didn't know how it operated. But the massive force that it had within it is what scared the shit out of everybody else and made them bow down to the rule for many thousands of years. That's such a good way of thinking about it. And, ju- and that's just the pyramids. We could go all over yeah. the planet and also in the oceans of the planet as well. What's there. Um, and look at these sites that are still around and think about just, we don't even have an idea of what time is. We just think about what time is it right now? Do I got to go and pick up my kid? You know, that's all yeah. we think about, but the great time that you're talking about and then how it's changed and it's kind of like the opening uh, bit of Lord of the Rings when there's that bit where she's talking about the ring, how it passed through time and then le- stories became legend, legend became myth, myth became, and then it was forgotten. And then eventually they came upon the ring again. And then it has this whole saga. And it's as if humanity has been through this in cycles and mm-hmm. we keep kind of coming up and we get these different ways of the evolution of our technology with possibly a little bit of help. And then we change our civilization and then we maybe have a breakdown and then that recovery process so much is lost and then people grow up and they go, oh, I think there was something going on. And then we keep repeating it. Um, wow. That's that's a really good way of, of thinking. Okay. Are you ready for it? Let's come Let's back. We're bringing that circle around. Circle okay, back. So, okay. So we're talking about these antennas and this is who basically we are. And we all exist at different um, receptions of reality. Right. Okay. Now, let me ask you this. Is, do you know what signal degradation or signal attenuation to constructive and destructive waveforms are in electromagnetic wave theory? Basically, that was a lot of stuff, but go okay. ahead. <laughs> Can I interfere with a signal while it's being transmitted? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Can other things in the atmosphere interfere with the signal? Can we have like um, a signal being transmitted that gets distorted or interrupted? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Two Wi-Fi signals. If you have two Wi-Fi routers in your house, you don't put them on the same channel because if you do, they're going to interfere destructive interference with each other, and you're going to have a loss of signal attenuation and signal integrity. Okay. Now, 
think about this. Our solar system, because we live on a globe planet, people. We live on a globe planet. And if you ever want to talk about this, people, I can explain to you why we live on a globe planet. Being a sailor, I know why. Um, but we live on a globe planet, and our, our planet travels around the sun. And the sun is actually in spinning around a binary, planet, a binary star system like this. And these things corkscrew like this around the galaxy. And if you look at the galaxy, you know, we have the black hole of Sagittarius in the center. Okay. And so what we have is the galaxy is actually an excretion disk. And this is the center line gravitational disk that distributes from the center of the galaxy. Okay. And if you look at the galaxy, it's in like this saucer shape, right? It goes like this. Right. And the reason that is, is because gravity, whatever gravity is, basically condenses everything down to the center and then distributes it along this dis excretion disk line. So this is why everything thins out like this. Well, we're on that long edge arm of the galaxy. This means that when our sun transits that galactic arm every 230 million years. Yeah, it's right? 230 million years. We get a, basically a world, a, a galactic tour. Yep, a galactic yeah. tour. Every 230 million years, we go around that. And that's broken down in the 26,500 year cycles. If you want to look at it in the sense of each zodiacal symbol within the galactic cycle, the larger galactic cycle. But what's actually happening is if this is the excretion disk, our star system is going like this. And this is in the, the ancient um, Asian cultures. They call dragon cycles. Okay. The right. dragon, the dragon cycles were a representation of energy and how energy flows from the positive to the negative up and down. This is the old fashioned yin and yang. This is the same thing that we talked about in the energy exchange theory, right? The sine wave. Yep. That's right. But think about this. If gravity is strongest in the center of the excretion disk, that means that there's going to be a higher density of gases, of elements, of neutrons, uh, or uh, neutrinos, and so forth, in the center, and less concentration above and below. Which means that when our star system transits this, it means it goes from less dense, more dense, less dense, more dense, less dense. It means that we're increasing and decreasing in density as the sun is transiting through the galactic cycle, which means that we're coming to points of transition. This means that that signal attenuation of this, this reality that we all perceive is being distorted as we go through those denser sides. So everything is affected by this, Josh, what you're saying. So like everything. our consciousness, our body, our physicality, our planet, the climate, um, everything else can be affected by this distortion of the signal as we're doing this transit. 100%. Everything, mm. is, everything is affected by this. So think about it in the sense is that... Um, Electromagnetic, right? Think about right. there's a higher concentration of electromagnetic energy in that discretion disk and less concentration below. And if we're electromagnetic beings who receive electromagnetic signaling, when we go through this, this is like having 20 Wi-Fi channels all on the same channel and you're about to go through it and you're trying to get an internet connection. You can't get anything. You can't download the page. Hmm. This is what we just went through. This is what we just went through. And now I'm actually at the belief and understanding that the age of Aquarius, where we're entering right now, and Nostradamus, I did a great video on Nostradamus in his last prophecy about how this all pertains to what just happened, is we're not only transi transitioning to a new age, we're not only resetting that 26,500 year cycle, but we're actually coming to one galactic year. At the same time. At the same time. And the end of the Mayan calendar, the whole 2012 stuff, the end of the Mayan calendar, this is actually what it pertained to. Is the calendar ended at the end of the 230 million year galactic cycle?
Do you think it ended at 2012 or were those numbers inverted to 2021? Do you think it was, it was 2021. I, okay. I guarantee you it was 2021. It was actually December 21st, 2020. And if you go back to Nostradamus's prophecy, and I did something on the steel plate prophecies that Nostradamus had, um, there was this relevance of one of the plates and it had, uh, this guy and he had a, um, he's naked and he has a bone arrow and he has a blindfold on his house. And then there's this woman and she's basically hiding these ribbons and these ribbons are represented at the top as kind of like a, a key legend of what the ribbons represent. And she's hiding these, these, and she's trampling on the scales of justice. Um, and through the symbolic, so this is medieval symbology. We're talking about Nostradamus. So you have to go to medieval alchemical symbology to understand really what was happening there. But what you find out is this is Apollo and this is Athena. And, and so Apollo and Athena are battling, okay, in the constellation, I believe it was Capricorn. And I said, that's interesting because the conjunction on December 21st, 2020 occurs in, in that constellation. Also, you have Jupiter and Saturn in coming in convergence or coming in conjunction, right? The right. great conjunction. Now, who was Apollo's? father jupiter. jupiter who was athena's father saturn not only that mm -hmm. is you have the masculine and the feminine representation now apollo right athena didn't like apollo so she went to kill him this is why she said typhoid or yeah typhus over to kill and they actually killed uh apollo's mom and all this stuff and so they had blood but so when you start looking at this what it was actually talking about it was talking about the alignment of the galactic energies were about to be reset. And I know that's kind of hard to get it out what I just said in that little bit, but I have the video. It's on library on our library channel. We can Odyssey. link it after if you yeah. want to fire it over. Yeah, But it's, it's a great episode that explains all of this. But basically I didn't know about Uluru, the Uluru celebration at this time when I did these videos. And I basically prop or basically said that Nostradamus was talking about December 21st, 2020, that our energy, is about to increase, that our state of consciousness, we're moving out of the density. We're about to go on that brink of the density. We're that one level, we're about to pop out of it. And it's by it's like getting out of the swimming pool. It's like being underwater for years and all of a sudden coming out of the pool and breathing fresh air again. This is what's happening right now. And so okay, all so, this go ahead. so yeah. pause there. So then here we go. So if we bring this to the current situation, and then I'd love to get your take on some current events. Um, is basically because of this whole grand cycle that we're going through and all of us are affected by it. This is what's spawning a natural organic great awakening on the planet that is, you know, we're all trying to help push. And this is why people are straining at their chains. They want more freedom, but the, but the governments of the world are all under orders by, you know, who to do everything they can to suppress that. And they're trying to alter the reality artificially to make, to keep the density where they had it before, because they had the ring of power activated there. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Spot on. So what we're in right now is truly a great awakening. I, I can't explain that enough is people are waking up not to the lies and the corruption, but to themselves, to something they've always had within them. They just never discovered before. Even and the I lies and corruption that you see are helping you learn more about you than the actual conspiracy right. or any of that stuff. It shows you that your reality has been alive for this whole time. And right. so 
right now is we're all saying that basically we're moving through jello for the last few months it felt like we were walking through jello everything was very yeah. lethargic uh, and this was the transition out of this galactic cycle of the plant of the solar system moving out of this this, this highly dense discretion disk right that's so, what this dead zone was yeah, yeah that's what this we, we couldn't get pick up the internet signal but now it's starting to come back and it started to come back a long time ago. And those people that existed at 105 and 106 on frequency ranges, they started picking it up a long time ago. Think about it. Think about everybody who's been waking it up slowly over the last 50 years. They started picking it up a long time ago and everybody's like, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. Why? Cause they're still living in that density. Right. So makes sense. So now take it to kind of what we're talking about today is we're waking up to who we really are, who really, to our true being, to our true selves of, of what we are. And, and that means that the power structures that that fall over this world have no reign or control over us. If we do this, uh, so I'm, uh, I have a social network, we have a private social network. Uh, it's called, you go to www.socialredpill.com. And you have to put the www in front of it because it's a redirect, but it's www.socialredpill.com. Okay. You, there's subscription packages, but there's also free packages. They're pretty easy. Uh, just pick a free package. And every Sunday and every day we do these uh, different experiments. And what we do is we practice global consciousness. See, the greatest trick that's ever been told to us or the greatest lie that's ever been told to us is that we're not connected. And see, we can change this world instantly by only coming together and believing it to be soul, believing it to be true. Okay. When we combine our minds and our intentions through a process of what I call magic and, and magic is not what people think. It's not this taboo stuff. It's not, God's not going to smack you down because you're a magician or any of this stuff. It's actually a process laid out by Jesus at the temple of the Mount or not the temple of the Mount of uh, the sermon on the Mount. And I can actually show you the process. It's pretty easy. It's, it's ask, seek, knock. And Jesus said, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find it, knock and it shall be done unto you. These three things are the process of what we know as Enochian magic or modern day magic. And this is how to manifest your own reality. And when we bring this into a consensus perspective, where we utilize it together, focus with symbolic representation, we can change anything in our reality. And this goes back to the man who can move mountains. This goes back to the ancient magicians. What's actually happening here is that reality is a system. And systems are built upon processes. And if you understand the processes, then you can utilize those processes to your advantage. And so what magicians have done is they've realized that in the beginning, right? So all of our Christian friends out there, in the beginning was the word. But the word is actually translated from the word logos, which means the symbol or the vibration. Right. So in the beginning was logos. Logos is representation of vibration. This is why in ancient India in the Vedic mythology, you have Om. God shout out to the world Om. And if you do this Om symbol, you'll understand that this was the logos. This is the deep resonant vibration. Okay. Now, here's the thing: is everything is vibration. Everything is vibration. That vibration is nothing more than two systems coming together in relation and exchanging energy. Now, if we go down to the quantum realm, okay, 
Let's define symbol on a quantum realm. We know about uh, the double slit experiment, these types of things, right? That we have right. to have consciousness observe a wave in order for that wave to collapse and actually come into reality. This means that the probability of what that wave is in the quantum realm is undetermined until a conscious mind interacts with it. So this means that a symbol is a representation of information on the quantum realm undetermined until a conscious observer interacts with it. Okay? So this means that a symbol holds the information that we consciously give to it. Now, I, I don't want to trample on anybody's symbology here. I think there's some, some derivation in this. Do you know who Bill Hicks was? Yep. One of the greatest comedians, comedians. alive. Yep. I, I absolutely love Bill Watching Hicks. Watching TV is like taking a can of black spray paint to your third eye is what he used to say. That's right. He also said that, um, he goes, do you think the next time Jesus comes back, the next thing he's going to want to see is another cross? <laughs> I can see Jesus up there right now sitting with God saying, Dad, I'm not going down there until they stop wearing those crosses. Once they start wearing fishes, maybe I'll think about it. He goes, great example of this is you think, you know, it's like walking up to Jackie Onassis and wearing a rifle pendant around your neck and saying, thinking about John, Jackie. You right. know, think about it. So the symbol that we wear around our heart, our heart, okay? What did it have in symbolic historical representation of actual information stored for 2,000 years? Well, one of two things with the cross, it could have been the physical cross, which was a torture mechanism that was employed by, you know, Romans. Romans and other cultures. And it could also symbolize the cross of the equinox the and the, 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 you know, the cross. sun cross. The, yeah, exactly. Right. The so we have plane. two symbols, right? And this is why I said, don't, don't, don't hate me yet. Cause there's two symbols and there's two symbols of representation. Right. Now what determines the energy that that symbol has? is your perception, your conscious understanding and perception of that symbol. However you align your mind to what other of those symbols are. Now, if you align your mind towards the Catholic Church symbology of that symbol, you're representing the Roman symbology, representation of that symbology. And when you wear that symbol around your heart, you are killing yourself. You are basically- That's what they mean. That's what the, the, the priests behind that, which yep. is, we know, Jesuits and all those guys, Constantine- so yeah, that whole history. Catholicism. So Emperor 325 AD, Emperor Constantine, the Council of Nicaea, what this was with the integration of what we first now know of as Luciferianism. Right. Before, before all this, Lucifer and, and, and Satan never existed, but Lucifer was something completely different in conceptualization. Okay? But this is where we begin to get the false dichotomy. Okay? Now, you got to yeah. remember, the light bringer is also the false light, the great deceiver. Um, right. In the Dampapadas, uh, Siddhartha and his journey, they talk about this. This is Buddha sitting under the Bodhi tree and battling with Maya. Maya is illusion of reality. The, the best way to explain this to people is that um, you perceive reality. Your eyes perceive reality, your ears, everything. Your senses perceive re reality electromagnetically. But that electromagnetic signaling has to be processed by your belief system. Not only that, is everything that you see within your visual cortex, it hits your eyes, turns, it hits the rods and the cones, stimulates them. They produce electrical signaling, which travels down your optic nerve into your visual cortex. Your visual cortex is in the deepest, darkest spots of your skull. It's never experienced or even seen light. It has no idea what light is. Yet, this is all produced by your visual cortex. Now, think about that for a minute. 
That means that everything out here in the tapestry of reality is an illusion created behind here. It's the great deception. That's Maya. Maya is believing out here. Okay. This is Lucifer. Lucifer is the material world. This and is this goes it, into the idea of what you were saying. Some people are externally controlled. Like um, everything has to be external and they react to the external environment and they're reactive to life. They're not proactive, right? So they're yeah. not really co-creating their reality and creating their own uh, perspective. They are adopting somebody else's perspective. And this goes into that beautiful quote that I use all the time and is super relevant, which is that if you don't control your own mind, someone else will, right? So if they can Dude. control perception, they just have to manipulate the external world and make you believe that everything that's going to come to you is going to be government's going to keep you safe. Government can stop this virus. Uh, more policy, more laws, uh, more police on the streets, uh, more, more of this and more of that. It's all external, right? But you're not doing anything internal to change the way that you see the world mm -hmm. from the outside, which means you're waiting for the world to give you freedom. You're waiting for the world to give you health and abundance when all that stuff comes from the other way because you have to contribute to creating that reality that you see out there, right? This, this is, the, this is the, the prima facta, okay? So I just showed basically how your, your mind produces an illusion. Now, I talked about, so in Hermeticism, there's seven primary laws, eight if you kind of understand a little bit more. Uh, but there's seven primary laws. One of them is the law of cause and effect. Now, the law of cause and effect is highly misunderstood within the esoteric communities. It's highly misunderstood within the scientific communities. Uh, you have to look at cause and effect as simply two realms of existence. This is like a, a median that you can cross over and exist in either one of those realms. You can exist in the realm of causation or you can exist in the realm of effect. Okay. Mm. And one of the best examples, an analogy I give is... Your paycheck, if you go out and work a job, your paycheck that you get is nothing more than a bribe to make you forget about your dreams and work for someone else's. Now think about that. You're giving your time for this representation of money, of value, to work for the owner of that business's dreams, not yours. Okay. It might be good on a start, but your goal would be to evolve out of that. That's and then right. eventually work for yourself. But that's the realm of effect. That's, the, right. that's, that's reacting to your environment. Everything that you have to do at that job is given and is dictated to you. Hey, you need to do this today. Hey, this is your workload today. Hey, you need to do this today. None of it is on through your own volition. None of it is through your own creative processes. And so if we go to the realm of creation, the realm of causation, creation and causation are the same thing. This is where things begin to happen. And you mentioned you know, willpower. You said that if you're not in control of your own mind, someone else is. And the best example that you can give of this is that the mind works through a process. Like I'll say reality works through a process and they're all very similar. Now your belief system is the basic foundation of your whole reality. Now there's nothing that says that your belief system has to be true. And this is given by the example. We'll just go out and look at these fucking idiots getting the vaccines, right? I'm not saying yeah. everybody who gets the vaccine is an idiot. Sometimes you have to do it because it's being forced upon you. But your belief system doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Flat earthers doesn't necessarily mean it's true. It just means that it's yours. It's something that you've learned, you adapted to, that you've been given through authority or you've been given through um, you know, education or your environment's taught to you that you've got through conceptualization or understanding. This is how your belief system is built. And then it's basically reaffirmed through actions in reality, through basically results or consequences. And so the middle process is this, is your belief system derives habits and behaviors, okay? 
So your belief system brings about various habits and behaviors. These habits and behaviors interact and bring about thought structures. These thoughts bring about rituals and routines, which bring about actions. These actions go into reality and start interacting with reality. That's what interacts with reality is your actions. Your actions are also called influences because you don't do anything in reality. You only influence reality in one direction or another. Now, those influences spread out through the entirety of the universe and bring about consequences or results. That's it. That's all you're going to get is consequences, shit, or results, good stuff. And then those things come back around, they loop back around, and they reaffirm your belief system. And then the system changes and does it over again. The system changes and does it over again. System changes and does it over again. Now, if we know this process, now we can become magicians and understand how reality is created, how reality is done. Now, here's the thing, is those rituals, routines, and actions that we just talked about, what does it take to consciously do that? Will and discipline. Right. Discipline equals freedom. Discipline is freedom. Because if you discipline your mind towards the right rituals, routines that produce the right actions, which give you results in your reality, which reaffirm your belief system, you're building a structure and a process, a system of success in your life that is only going to be progressive in your nature of evolution. Okay. If you don't have discipline, that means that the re reaffirming of your belief system is being restructured by consequences and shit and is degrading over time. This is why people go up, go back to the bottom, go up, go back to the bottom. And personal development, people do this all the time. They're always hitting that same bottom. Like, why is life so hard? Why does God hate me? It's because you don't understand this process. And so discipline equals freedom. Now, the question is, is if you are not in control of your habits, your rituals, routines, and actions, if you're not in control of that process, if you don't have discipline in your life, then who controls that process for you? The people who would love to control it for you. And this is Everything what you've just happened. broken down, Josh. This is, this is how we are controlled and we've been turned into a slave-like species. Uh, that's what they want. That this is why Klaus Schwab's whole thing—he—he's he's just another peon. But his his whole thing is you'll own nothing and be happy. That's right. That's the that's the slogan because they're like we're gonna give you the cradle to grave, nanny state, all the handrails you need to get through life. You don't need to work for anything, um, and we'll provide everything for you in exchange for your freedom. That's pretty much what it is. And right now, what are we getting from this whole pandemic stuff? In exchange for your freedom, we will grant you <clears throat> the illusion of security. That's right. And it is an illusion. Whereas if what you're talking about was known and widely known in practice, these people would be out of business because no one would want to, if you read the fine print about what all these, and this isn't just the tyrants up in Davos and Rome and London, England or wherever, this is the tyrants that are in your own life that you have to deal with as well, right? This is brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers. This is children. This is media sensations, influencers. This is bosses. This is coworkers. This is the old lady at the grocery store. This is everybody in your reality who dictates your actions. Plain and simple, dictates your actions. If someone influences your action, okay, and that action brings about a consequence and you repeat that cycle over and over and over again, you're a slave. Because there's two states. So 
the United States Constitution is very, very interesting, especially in the sense of how it was written. We did an episode on this at the Act of 1871, and I went over all of this of how basically the organic constitution and what it means, uh, capitus elementius, domitius, all this stuff in the sense of the wording, the legality, black law dictionary, Jordan Maxwell stuff, right? Um, but understanding the 13th Amendment. Now, for anybody that doesn't know, the 13th Amendment says that um, you shall not exist in a state of slavery or involuntary servitude. Oh, great. Thanks, Abe Lincoln. That, that's perfect, right? But you know what it doesn't say? And whenever you look at law, always look at what it doesn't say. Because what it doesn't say is actually legal for you to do. Okay? What it doesn't say is that you can exist in a system of voluntary servitude. That means that you voluntarily put yourself into a system of slavery. Now, going back to what we just said, discipline equals freedom. If you don't have the discipline in your life that's bringing about the results that you want, then you are a slave. You and live. it's actually by your own choice or actually by your own lack of exercising your own choice. Two words that are very important here. Nescience and ignorance. Yeah. Okay. Nescience and ignorance. Nescience means that you, you don't know what you don't know. Okay. Ignorance is you understand that this exists, but you just choose not to even know that knowledge. Right. right? And yeah. so voluntary servitude comes about through a system of ignorance that has been derived for hundreds of years. That has now come to a point of nescience and people are waking up to the nescience. Now, I like to, I, I, I make my own definition of words because words are symbols and symbols are the energy that you give to them on the quantum realm, which means that the meaning and representation you should have to give them if you're going to use them on a daily basis should be relevant to you and your philosophy and all these things. So one of the words that I like to define is kind of what evolution is. So Nescience is a very important word in our system because it's, you don't know what you don't know. Now, there's a whole storyline behind this, a meditation I did and how I ex had this experience of samadhi or whatever it was. But think about it this way, an aha moment or an epiphany. These are defined as learning something that you did not know that you did not know. And that is the true definition of growth and evolution. Think about that. Yes. If you continue to go throughout your life and only learn things that you already knew, going over the same information over and over again and looking for something different, there's no growth. There's no evolution. But it's only when you learn something that you did not know that you did not know. You change your paradigm. At, so there's this whole relationship between your paradigm and your mindset and what they actually are. And when that shifts, you start learning something that you did not know you did not know. You have an epiphany, you have an aha. And this is the true relevance of growth. And this is uh, in my magical practice. And this is my magic means in my influencing of reality. My daily practice is to learn something new that I did not know that I did not know. So I can have true growth throughout that day. Okay. Right. And, and so in the spiritual journey, when you learn something that you did not know that you did not know, that makes you closer to yourself because you can only know other things as well as you know yourself. Does that make sense? Like if I only know myself a little bit, and so we have all these things, the characteristics, the attributes, and my likes, and my wants, and my hates, and my desires, and all these things, and we put these on a scale. That's how well you know yourself. Now, here's the thing is when you interact with someone else and they have these, these, these hates and the likes and these attributes and these characteristics, you can only gauge that from your personal sensation upon how well you know yourself. So if you don't know your character very well, you're not going to know that person's character very well because you haven't weighted it within yourself very well. 
Which means Hence that the I, old slogan, know thyself and you shall know, know all. Yeah. And you shall know all. And it means that I can only know David as well as I know myself. Right. That's why some people can know you better than you know yourself because they know themselves very well. This also goes to your relationship with God. You can only know God as well as you know yourself. So this means that to know yourself better, you need new information. You need ahas and epiphanies. You need to know what you don't know. That's the only way that you evolve internally of knowing yourself. And if you've all of the internally of knowing yourself, you can therefore know other people very well and know God a lot better. No, Bruce Lee even said it. He was like, all knowledge is ultimately self-knowledge. You know, you're learning all the time. We're learning all the time. Uh, Josh, this is so amazing. Let's, um, we got a few minutes left here. Yeah. I want to respect your time because I know you got to pick up your kids. I got I got a show in an hour and a half. Okay. You let me know when you got a jet, but I wanted to, now that we've kind of laid that groundwork and clearly guys, Josh and I could do a million shows on each one of the things we've talked about. We just given you a massive data dump today. Hopefully you learned some (laughs) things that you did not know that now, you know, and, um, go follow up on it. Don't just take our word for it. Think for yourself, but here's the thing. We got a lot of stuff going on right now. I'd love to get your take on some of these current events. We've got this whole oil shortage thing going on under Biden that happened before under Biden, by the way. Uh, something to do with some hacks. And I think uh, there were some certain uh, things that came around that warned us that this was going to come. Uh, we'll talk about that. Then also we've got this stuff cooking up in the Middle East. You know, so, uh, we've lost the peace in the Middle East. So those two things, are they related? Uh, what's happening in your view with that? So everybody might know this phenomena that came about for three years of Trump's uh, uh, presidency known as Q. Um, me and you had a show many months ago where we talked and I kind of gave my perspective what Q is after researching it since the beginning of it. Um, pause for a sec, Josh. So sorry. I just have to do this. Can you differentiate between what Q is versus this QAnon thing that the media is just going absolutely apeshit about? Because I think there's two different things happening there. There there is absolutely two different things. What you have is the control of the narrative. So the, the media wants to discredit whatever it is that was, right? So they, they've they created this illusion of what QAnon is, and they've done documentaries and all these things, and they try to discredit it by this illusion and information trail that they've plotted. And if you ever want to know what the deep state or the globalists are doing, all you have to know is they're, if you have to just look back through history and look at the signals that they're giving you. There's one thing about Satanism, I don't know if you knew this, there's one thing about Satanism is they cannot do anything against your will. Yeah, that's true. Everything that they do karmically, they have to tell you they're going to do. This means that the deep state, the Satanists, the globalists, whoever they are, they have to set their narrative up and show you, whether you're nescient or ignorant to it, exactly what they're doing. And so I learned this a long time, and this is what Q had shown us. Q showed us their playbook through a mirror. He said that we were entering into a state of wonderland. Wonderland is this world that we exist in right now where everything is upside down. Joe Biden is president. Nothing makes sense. Socialism is reigning. But he continuously tells us patriots are in control. And so the three years of Q, yeah, there was relative facts that were happening there. But this is a proxy board of communication for people to communicate through proxy. Secondarily, it's kind of uh, showing you what was going to happen in a mere image of how this is all going to unfold and what was actually going to come to be. And everything that Q was saying in the three-year Deltas 2018 has been happening kind of synchronistically. Now, getting into that, 
after January, we started making a series of predictions. And I said, watch what's going to happen. This is the narrative of the globalist. I said, I was saying back in December, November, January, what you're going to see is exactly this. You're going to see an influx at the border. We already knew this. You're going to start seeing massive um, um, discrimination and racism against white people. You're going to start seeing food shortages, supply shortages, supply chain shortages. You're going to see interruptions in distribution of supplies and foods. You're going to see a resurgence of the virus. But here's the thing. The, the virus isn't going to go out and kill you and me. The virus is going to start to infect animals, chickens, cows, sheep, pigs, all of them. Then after this, you're going to, you're, during this whole time, you're going to see a bubbling of the economy. The economy is going to grow so large in a bubble. The, the dollar is going to get massively inflative, inflated. And they're going to basically perpetuate this, this economic war onto the world while basically having the illusion that it's not happening. And they're going to sustain it and say, the world's doing great. Oh, the economy's doing great. And at the same time, what they're going to do is they're going to start bringing down oil and gas, meaning increasing gas and oil prices. And this most likely will happen through some type of interaction in the Middle East. Something's going to happen in the Middle East. And I said, most likely what's going to happen is the perpetuation of a global war. You're going to probably have China and Taiwan. You're going to have Russia, Ukraine. You're going to have the Middle East conflict, most likely Israel and Iran. Now, I said this months ago. Now, look at what's happening right here. Look, and they're going to come after infrastructure in the United States. One of the main things was coming after infrastructure in the United States. And the reason is, is because of this. If you were the Patriots and you had massive amounts of data that you could unveil and just show the world, and instantaneously the world shifts and understands everything, how do you shut that down if they're decentralized? You turn off the power. If you don't have internet, you can't get the message. So you're talking about this is what the deep state would do to counter it. Yeah, this is exactly what the deep state will do to counter it. And so what we're seeing here is, remember when our good friend Q used to say, when do you expend ammunition? When something major is about to break out against them. Now, we're looking at the world and we're seeing that they have massive bullets. They have guns. Their guns are Middle East war. Their guns are the Asia Pacific war. Their guns are the Russia Ukrainian war. And I think there's more to the whole Ukraine Russia thing. Uh, their, their guns are the global economy. Their guns are us infrastructure. And now we're starting to see them shoot bullets down range. We're starting yeah. to see them pull the triggers. We're starting to see these cyber attacks by the dark side. Come on. By the dark side against the colonial pipeline, they also hit three other targets around the globe today. And they're saying this is pro-Kremlin. It's not pro-Kremlin. It was about as pro-Kremlin as the hats on the 2016 election. It's absolute shit. Okay? So you think these hacks, are these hacks done by white hats or black hats? These are definitely black hats. Um, okay. And there's no really hacking. I guarantee you, if you start searching colonial pipeline, you'll start to see the solar winds integration into their system mm -hmm. and how they actually got in was due to the solar winds. Um, but what we're seeing here is an attack on U.S. energy infrastructure, which is raising gas prices. Now, I went to the grocery store yesterday and I stocked up on about $600 worth of canned goods and, and non-perishables. Now, at the checkout, I had a cart just overloaded. The ladies go, oh, my God, are you a doomsday prepper? I go, no, I'm a realist. She goes, what does that mean? I go, let me ask you a question. She goes, yeah. And I go, what just happened yesterday with the Colonial Pipeline? She goes, oh, it's some, some computer hack or something. I go, yeah. And I go, have they got it back up yet? She goes, no. And I go, what is that doing? She goes, well, the gas prices on the East Coast are skyrocketing. I go, I just filled up a quarter tank of gas. It cost me 60 bucks outside. She goes, oh, that's pretty high. 
I go, yeah. I go, because it has nothing to do with the gas prices on the East Coast. It's going to be disseminated throughout the rest of the country. Now, let me ask you this. Did you hear about the corn shortages? She goes, no, what corn shortages? I said, corn prices have increased 50% in the last six months. This is because of shortages within the supply chain of corn. She goes, I didn't know that. I go, you work in a grocery store. How, what, how many days supply does this grocery store have of food? She goes, a three-day supply. I go, great. How many of those products on those shelves are made of corn? She goes, almost all of them have some type of corn starch, corn product in them, high fructose corn syrup, whatever it might be. And I go, if there's a corn shortage and gas prices are skyrocketing, now there's a gas shortage. How does that corn get distributed to the facilities that make those products? She goes by tractor trailer. And I go, what do tractor trailers need to get to those places across the country? She goes, gas. I go, she goes, she, she, I swear she's smiling. She goes, looks at her boss and goes, I'm taking the rest of the day off. Wow. I feel sorry for any uh, poor yeah. grocery bagger that runs into but she, Josh and But she got it. She like <laughs> she instantly and then the, the cashier's like, that damn socialist Joe Biden. <laughs> like, <laughs> she like, just got but, the red pill dose of all time. Right. But you know, people get it. And I'm like, yeah. I'm sitting there going, and I, I looked down at my groceries and said, I'm just early. That meant I was early in the checkout before anybody else got out there. And understand. So so, okay. So let's just think about this. If, if we're saying good guys are in control, just to keep it super simple. Okay. Mm -hmm. How is this happening when there's going to be a whole boatload of collateral damage because of this? And how long does this have to happen? Or is this just because this is what it takes to do battle with this highly entrenched captured system? On the cue boards, there's, um, the checkmate post, if you go to the checkmate post, there's one that shows this grand move made by the grandmaster of chess in 1919 at the world championships. And basically what it was is a way that he brought his queen out and sacrificed her to win the game. Okay. Um, Q or I don't know if you can say it on these channels, but Q says, you can say, we, it, yeah. we have to come to the precipice and he defines the precipice. Okay. Is the point of no return. Now, many people ask me, are we at the precipice? No, no, we're not at the precipice yet. We're not at the point of no return yet. You will know when we're at the point of no return because a lot of people are going to die before that happens. I, and, and I'm dead serious on that. A lot of people are going to die before that happens. People. And how is this being allowed to go? Or is it literally just because there, there is no way to avert it. This was just the lesser of the other options that would have caused more death. So Dr. Michael Sala, I've had on my show a few times. We, he's came on and we kind of correlated on a few things that I had no idea he knew about. And we kind of came to an understanding that this whole alien stuff that's coming out on June 1st has massive implications to what's happening next. Um, Do you I think it's going to come out? Yes, Jan June 1st. June 1st, it is coming out. Now, I don't know how integrative it is. I don't know what part of it's going to be non-classified. Trump said it has to be declassified. Anything that you know has to be declassified. So hopefully they honor that. I doubt they are. Um, but after June 1st, I think we're going to have to look up to the sky to understand a few more things of what's actually happening. Now, I go down and, and I believe, and this is what I do believe, is that there are enemies to this planet that live in these underground caverns bases, whether they hijacked them early on or, or built them themselves. I don't know. 
Um, I do believe that there is some type of parasitic alien. Think about it like this. If you lived in this galaxy and you had the ability to go from planet to planet instantaneously, right? And your planet, you know, they've, they've ruled and dominated and you're just a nobody. And you find this small little planet with, a, with these, these people that don't have very much technology or understanding of the universe. And you just go on there as gods and you show them a little technology. It's just kind of like that Ford F-150. Next thing you know, you dominate and rule them and now you control their society. But what if they're about to learn the truth about you? You try to hide that at all costs. Not only that, is you try to bring allies in that try to help you. And I think what happened is, is that when Trump talks about the wall, the wall is more important than you understand. The wall was a symbol, not of the border of the U.S., but a space force. And I think what the wall really was, was a wall of, of satellite defense systems that were built around this planet that were to protect earth from their allies that were coming. Now, if we go, we start looking into the sky and we start seeing the stuff that started flying down over, um, over Florida. We start seeing the stuff that was uh, falling out of the sky over um, um, Oregon and Washington. We start looking at this rocket that, did you see the footage of the Chinese rocket that fell into the I Indian saw, Ocean? Yeah, and everybody's got a theory about it. Yeah, what do you think well, that is? there's no theory about it. That was actually a meteoroid that fell over Australia in 2015. The video footage they used was a meteorite from 2015. So, so the question is, is what the fuck is going on here? What's going up and on in our skies? And I think what it was is if you, if this Nostradamus video that I talked about, it, it goes over crop circles and it starts showing this communication through symbology of crop circles. It basically saying we're on our way. We've entered your solar system. We're outside of the orbit of Jupiter. We're, 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 we're entering into your resonant structure. And we'll be there around this time. And the theory is, is that these were the allies to these bad guys, these parasites on this planet. And we shot the shit out of them. Trump joined the Galactic Federation. The Galactic Federation says we give you an arm of protection. When they showed up, we shot them out of the fucking sky. And that basically the people here on the planet or whatever they are on the planet, the parasites, the evil, whoever they are, they're shit out of luck and they know it. So they're trying to hold on to their power as much as possible because they know what's coming. The, so they, these guys would be who these, what we call the deep state, the Illuminati, the cabal, the money mafia, all the names have been given it to it. Um, those family lines and those people are brought in by a religion, maybe through masonry or whatever else it is. And then they, um, they start to worship their religion that they've been given which is just an energy signature. It's just a whole program for them to keep them in the management positions. And that's compartmentalized as well. But they're all serving, like in the Christian ethos, they'd say, oh, they're serving the Satan and the devils. But really the deal here is that's a, that's a, that's a symbolic representation of what we're talking about with these, uh, these other races that could be here influencing them. This gets into what Phil Schneider was talking about. Yeah. Guy. Even though it sounds crazy, it sounds Star trek but just, I mean, you got to get to a point where you think adrenochrome and all this crazy stuff, like what's it really all about? Like Phil Schneider was the first one I ever heard even use that term. And he was talking about it in context of the fact that this was something that was used as a resource by these underground beings. And that's what these other surface uh, government systems were. <laughs> it's, it's crazy sounding, but I mean, we're at a point now where we got to think about this in the big picture and start asking these questions. And I don't know the full story, but I'm always curious to talk to people like you, Josh, because we got to get a handle on what's going on here. And I have a feeling no matter what it is, we're going to start to learn a lot more about it pretty quick because there's only a certain point where it can stay hidden, you know? Now, 
it's interesting you said that the um, definition of words, right? Uh, right? The Bible talks about the apocalypse. Now, the apocalypse derive from the Coptic languages, Egyptian Christian languages, right? And it means the unveiling. Now, when you come from Coptic derivation of words and understanding of the etymology of these words, um, what it really means is the unveiling of Isis, the veil of Isis. Isis, the primordial goddess, uh, the sister and wife of Osiris, uh, the brother and or the sister of, of Set, the god of the underworld. Uh, only one man hath come before her and removed that veil. And when he did, he learned the secrets of the universe. And this is Toth, or where we get the word thought from. This is also known as Termes Trismegistus, who shouldn't have been worshipped or deified as Toth, but was. Um, and this is the father of modern-day Hermeticism or modern-day magic. Um, this means that behind the veil of Isis is the secrets of the universe, the truth of our being, the truth of our consciousness, the truth of our planet, the history of our planet, all of this stuff. And so the apocalypse literally means the unveiling of the veil of Isis. Now this has, we can go into uh, the anthropomorphication of this word, all this stuff of, of the moon and all this stuff, but just know that today is we are in the apocalypse. And I don't mean in biblical sense, I mean in the very relativistic sense that everything is being unveiled. The truth is going to be known. And they cannot stop it, and they know that, and that's why they need to put in certain structures of power of, of control before it all comes undone. And, and that's why they need us in job. fear. They need us in fear, and they're using they they use all kinds of stuff, right, yeah. to keep us distracted because they know that fear energy creates a vibration that kind of counters our higher consciousness vibration. Oh. So, in a way, and. And you have fear with the pandemic, with this, with that. Oh, now the oil shortage, all the food shortage, all the economy, the dollar's going to go. And they need to keep that going. But at the same time, they're trying to produce cover for the fact that it isn't just the dark side bringing those, that, those things about. There's sort of a controlled demolition of that old Federal Reserve system happening at the same time as this old paradigm of the Hollywood illusion of all these different things. And that is producing the effect of all this stuff coming to the surface that nobody was really thinking or talking about before that now literally hundreds of millions of people around the world are thinking and talking about. So there is at least an awareness of the bigger picture happening. Um, so if we jump real quick back to this whole oil shortage and all this yeah. kind of stuff, is this just more of that? And is this part of the battle? Like I keep hearing some guys saying, Oh, it's all, we're just watching pantomime. We're just watching a play. This is just the show the Patriots in control. Biden is a holograph or a guy wearing a mask or a clone or something like that. Um, there's no battle. The battle's already been won. Do you think the battle's already been won? Or do you think this is just, no, the battle's ongoing and both sides are trying to keep things intact while this finishes up? That's a lot there. Sorry, man. No, no, you're right. And, and I'm trying to find the best way to phrase this. Um, you are watching a movie, okay? But you are a fucking actor on the stage. So, right. so know, know your position, know who you are, know your lines. Okay. Now, if we take this perspective and I want everybody to understand this, and, and I'm going to say this in this very, um, this very specific way, Jesus is not going to be floating down on a fucking big old white cloud, shooting lightning bolts out of his ass towards the deep state. If you think that you are misled and you are living in a land of illusion, God works through you period. If you think this has already been won, if you think this is already over, you have no idea what you're talking about. And the reason I say that is because only at the precipice will people understand 
You cannot tell the people, you have to show them. If you look at anything within the Q saga, it always relies back onto you. You are the power. You have to become united. You are the force that defeats this evil. It is the unification. The people are the cure. Yeah. The people are the cure. It's it's us united that make this happen. That makes this. This is why the fight was over. This is why it's already been done. Is because it's inevitable that the people become united and work as one to defeat them. Okay. But here's the thing. It's not over yet. It's not set in stone. Right. Like any warfare scenario, any battle, any fight, you have a game plan, you understand your opponent, you have predictions and stuff, but then things change and your strategy must adapt on the battlefield in real time. Exactly. You, You have to be prepared for what's coming. So everything that's being orchestrated right now, the gas shortages, the war, the World War III is about to break out. If anybody wants to say no, well, guess yeah. what? Go look what's happening. World War III is on the brink, and this is all done for a specific reason, okay? So you're going to have war, World War III on the brink. You're going to have gas shortages, oil shortages. You're going to have food shortages coming up very soon where the only thing that you're going to be able to get is this fucking manufactured fake meat by Bill Gates. Um, this is going to usher in the whole global warming thing. Um you have money shortages that are coming. You're going to have hyperinflation where the dollar is going to buy 10, uh, you know, $1 is going to buy 10 cents worth. Okay. Hyperinflation is going to hit hard. Um, people are going to default on debt. Banks are going to go belly up. You're not going to be able to get money out. Cash is going to be worthless. And this is all to implement a system of fear and control. Because think about this. If I want to give you a vaccine, I have to come in your house and do that physically, right? Now, how do I get a cop to walk into a house of a guy that we know that's got 10,000 rounds of ammunition? You know what you do? Is you make police and military the only jobs that are, that are left. If the economy collapses, right? Distribution, skilled trade, manufacturing, corporate office, all these jobs just go away. Okay? Because the economy collapses, hyperinflation hits. We're Venezuela. Nobody has a job. Nobody has money. The only people that are getting paid that have money and food and resources to bring home to their family are police officers and military. Now, when I say to a group of police officers and military, go into that house and get their guns and give them that shot, are they going to say no? If they say no, their family doesn't eat tonight. That's fucking fear. That is the state that is coming about right now. This is the state that they are producing. Do you think they're going to get away with all that or that's just where they want to go? I remember I told you people are going to have to die before people come to the precipice. And so what we're going to see is we're going to see those people you put to that brink where the oh, I got to do what they tell me to do because, you know, I got to eat. And we're going to start seeing basically the Nazi Gestapo. I mean, think about it. it, it in Germany during the time of World War I and World War II, this was the situation. The economy was collapsed, right? There was no money. They're blaming the Jews for everything, right? And the only people that had enough resources to bring home to their family were the Gestapo, were the police, the special police, or the military. And so you force people into the state of control through this expenditure of ammunition that they've created up the system. Now, think about it. World War III, what happens when the United States enters in that war? They bring back the draft. They take all men ages 20 to 40 or 20 to 50, and they take them away from their homes. Why? Because those are the men that are going to protect their, their houses, their wives, their kids, and so forth from what comes next. They, listen, they, they have the perfect storm being set up here. 
I call it a firestorm. It's a firestorm is that they can take out the infrastructure. They can create a world war. They can collapse the economy. They're going to do all, they're going to have food shortages. If you're hungry and you have no money and you have no resources to get anything and your house is being repossessed by the bank because they called in your mortgage, the fuck are you going to do? You're going to start thinking about things to do that you never thought about before. Like committing a crime, like killing someone, like doing bad things. And the police, they're the ones that have the resources now. They're the ones that are being paid resources to do their job. And guess what? They're going to abide by that because that is a system of manipulation and control that they live in. Jordan Maxwell points this out very clearly in understanding how the Saturnian order, the dark magicians, cast their spells. And how the policy officers, police officers, are nothing more than that. Did you know that a police officer exists within two states of, uh, of, of, of service? They exist in a state of peace officer and policy officer. And the, the purpose of the peace officer is to avoid conflict in all states. And the policy officer is to um, de-escalate conflict. And so every time that a police officer pulls you over, he's creating a state of conflict, which means that he's operating in the state of policy officer. And so what you need to do is you need to remind him of his honors and oaths of office. You need to ask for his credentials of which he has an oath and honors in his wallet underneath his identification, which identifies him as a peace officer primarily. A whole bit different story there, but so but okay. So wrap it. So here we go. We got, so this is pretty bad news then, Josh. So what do we, what's the, how do you see the counter? So we're going to be got brought more to the precipice. People should be prepping. People should have backups. That's just good sense. No matter what time in history you live. Um, what's the, how do you think this outcome plays out or what do you see as a way of getting through that? 18 months, 18 months. They're moving fast because they know what's coming. Um, why 18 months specifically, do you say? Because it just fits their timeline. Mid-2022, um, we're, we're entering into that stage of time, right? Stage of time of when this transitional state happens and, and all is being unveiled. Trump is supposedly coming out with a social network. I think this is going to be utilized as a decentralized platform for the dissemination of the of, of information. This More specifically, Wiener laptop, Hunter Biden laptop. Uh, a lot of that information is going to be poised by the media as deep fakes and Trump made it up and all this stuff. And he's just sour about the election. This Friday, we have the uh, Arizona Maricopa County results coming out that are going to be released to the Arizona Senate. Um, and that's I hear Michigan's involved too, isn't it? Aren't they yep. doing it? Yeah. Michigan. And then Trump just said Michigan, Pennsylvania, all Wisconsin, they're all going to follow suit. And so mm. I've been pointing this out of my show. We talked about uh, James Madison and the Federalists. 46. These are the Federalist Papers. And Federalist 46 talks about what the people of the United States can do against a tyrannical and oppressive government if it ever arose to the point in the United States. And he says that there's four steps to curb this tyranny and oppression. Two of them lie within the people and two lie within, within the state. And I called this out a long time ago. And I said, this all happens to be the 10th Amendment. The 10th Amendment means that any laws and jurisdictions not inherent within the federal government are inherent within the people or the states and the people respectively, which means that if the states have not made a law pertaining to it, that the people have that right to do it themselves. And this is pertained within our foundational legal documents in the United States of America. Foundational legal documents, we all think, oh, the Constitution, but you also forgot about the Declaration of Independence. That's one of the most foundational legal documents of our country. 2010, the Democrats actually utilized the Declaration of Independence as a foundation to implement socialized health care by saying life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
And so when we look at that, it also gives us the right there as a people to remove a tyrannical and oppressive government by any means necessary. And this also derives directly into the 10th Amendment, which gives us this right to basically recall Biden and do all these different things. Now, the four steps that James Madison had set out, as he said, the two things that people need to do is you need to have disquietude and civil disobedience. Disquietude is exactly what we're doing right now. This is disquieting. We're waking people up and yelling the truth. We're screaming it. Civil disobedience is things like tax protests. That's coming. I'm telling you, we're setting it right now. When this, this decentralized um, platform comes out with Trump, if it is what we think it is, we are launching a tax protest globally of anybody who pays taxes, who is sick of this shit. We're just going to all stop paying taxes. And that's going to hurt them where it hits. Because if we got millions of people like that, the IRS will not be able to keep up with that. Now, I know I'm probably going to be targeted for just saying this shit, but you know what? There's more people out there thinking the exact same way I'm in. That's civil disobedience. Sit in protest. Going to your local politicians, your local and your state level politicians and showing them, hey, look, this is, this is, we're done with this shit. Like Michigan, armed patriots going into their capital peacefully and sitting down and saying, no, things need to change. They need to change now. That is civil disobedience. That's what we're talking about. Nonviolent civil disobedience is what we're talking about. Okay, but then the two states of the state, and this is what we're beginning to see. I always said that in order for Trump to get back into office to show the election fraud that you need the states to take initiative. We started seeing this with Florida and Texas. It's already happened. Um, right now, we're seeing it with Arizona, Maricopa County, Michigan, you just mentioned, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. These other states are going to follow. Uh, we just had in Rhode Island, they had a runoff race between a Democrat and Republican. This is a um, county that Joe Biden won 95% of the vote in, and this Republican just won the runoff election by over a 60% majority. Doesn't make sense. How did Biden win that county if the Republican won the runoff? Exactly. There's so, so many, yeah. So there's all these things that are coming out. And so what we're going to see here is we're going to see the states come forth. Remember Q said, constitutional crisis. That's where we're at. Now, James Madison said that the states, you need two things. You need outspoken governors. You need governors to stand up and be outspoken against the policies being originated that are tyrannical and oppressive against the people. Ron DeSantis, perfect example. Abbott in Texas, perfect example. They're coming out and saying, no, this is bullshit. No vaccine passports. No, you're not going to inoculate this. Our numbers are decreasing. Fuck you, government. France just came out, by the way, too. No, yep. no vaccine passport. That's right. And that became from the pressure from the 120 generals that came out against Marcon and said, we're going to have a civil war if you don't listen to us. Mm. Right. And he started arresting some of those generals, but that's the different story. So now we have outspoken governors. We have Noam up in South Dakota. Then the second one is state legislation that counteracts um, federal government authority. Now, you got to remember, the federal government has created this, this basically nanny state. What we mean by that is not the people, but the state is dependent upon the federal government funding. Okay? Yeah. Now yeah. we're starting to see states come out. Yeah, now, well, now we're starting to see states in the United States come out with legislations that's the antithesis of federal policy. Florida, Texas, Arizona, prime examples. Georgia. This is exactly what James Madison said needed to happen. We're starting to see it rise up and come about. And I think in the next 18 months, we're going to see the meteoric rise of exactly what we're talking about. The unification of not only us, Americans, but of Americans, of Canadians, of Europeans, of Asians. Because this is, like, I'm telling you right now, if you sat there and you gave the world population a vote, 
Would you want your individualized freedom where you have the ability to go out into a free market and earn a living and go out there and create your own your business and have the opportunity to make billions of dollars? Or you're just given a GBI, global basic income, and you're given $1,000, but you can't own property, you can't own this. 99.99999% of the people would go, I want to have the opportunity to do it myself. Okay, that's freedom. That's true freedom. If people truly understood what freedom was, this is what they would want. And this is what we're seeing. We're seeing this unveiling. We're seeing this, this, this growth, this evolution of consciousness opening up to this idea of like, what the, what the fuck do I need you for, federal government? I don't need you. Even liberals are waking up. People are waking up all around the globe, flat earthers, are waking up all over the place. Uh, and what we see when that happens, because Canada was one of the first to wake up, and I'm, I'm just so proud of my, uh, my 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 friends to the north. They were the first to wake up because, look, they took the guns away a long time ago. And so what's happening in Canada is they are implementing this Gestapo, this draconian and totalitarian rule. They're shutting down the churches. They're forcefully entering people in Ontario, Canada. They're forcefully entering people's houses and vaccinating them. Forcefully. Yeah, it's, 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 but here's what's interesting, Josh, is as they're doing it, it's waking up more people. Like the, the, every move they're going to make now is going to just it wake is. up even more people. So it's as if there's two trains running at the same time. One is this great reset, new world order. The other one is the great awakening. And it's just a matter of what the hell is going to happen in that space while well, this shakes out. Cause the reason they're throwing everything but the kitchen sink at us, in my opinion, is because they're panicking. They know what's about to be dropped. Ghislaine Maxwell's trial is about to come out. Yep. Uh, the, the election fraud is about to come out. Any one of these single issues starts to get exposed en masse will be a domino effect in people's minds yeah. where they're going to go, well, what the hell else are they lying to me about? And they're like, well, they lied to you about this whole pandemic and you had to shut your business down and they're scared you and they get, you know, when it all starts to roll out, even though I know the deep state evil cabal has their plan, Evil's not the only force at work in this world. Yep, that's it. And so there's multiple, the deep state or the globalist or, or the cabal. By the way, cabal derives from the word Kabbalah, which is the ancient mysticism of, of, of Judaism. And this is a, a, a sect that broke off that basically contained the knowledge and information of Kabbal, uh, Kabbalism for themselves. And these were dark magicians because they decided to cut off everybody else from this information. This is where you get the word Kabbal actually derives from. This is why we know that they're dark magicians. Now, there's multiple heads to the Hydra. Understand that. There are multiple heads to the Hydra, and that's why they are successful. There's 150 people that rule the world. 300 to 100. There's a movie out there called The Committee of 300. I suggest everybody goes out there. We actually have it on the uh, redpillproject.online. If you go to the videos, it's one of the videos on there. Well, it's actually social. a video because that's yeah, a book by John, Dr. John Coleman. John Coleman. There you go. Dr. John yeah. Coleman. He made a whole um, um, lecture series on this. Three hours long. Right. You can go watch it. Um, the book is just as great. The Italian Black Nobility, all this. The Committee of 300. These people have basically consolidated to about 150 people and they work in the shadows. You have no idea who they are. You've never heard their names before. You don't know what they look like. I promise you. And what they've done is they factionized everything that we're talking about. The deep state is factioned among them. And guess what? Not all of them think exactly the same. Not all of them want the same worldview. Not all of them want national socialism or global socialism. Not all of them want to kill off the majority of humanity. And so they have been a constant battle with each other for well over 80 years on the unraveling, un unrolling what's happening. And the Satanists, the evil ones, the black magicians are just the ones right now that are in power. 
And so, but there's other seeing, rival gangs that have oh, this international warfare going on all the time. Yeah, one hundred percent. And this is connected to the stars. This is connected to everything that's happening. And we're about to see this this secret, invisible, dark war explode in the modern reality. Explode right out to the in surface. Front, yeah. To the surface. Yep. We're it has to. to. It has. It's to. as if there's no other way. Even though there's going to be that collateral damage, it's just there's no other way for us to for this to happen. It's that's just. It. It's what we're in. And when that wow. happens, sides will be chosen. And That's this is right. the, the the epic battle of good and evil and right and wrong. And battle of the black and gates. God yeah. and Satan. And it's a whole different conversation. We have to, you, people have to understand the esoteric and occult origins of the religions that they actually worship. And that's the uh, hardest thing is with people is taking that, that religion and removing it from the spirituality, right? Because the religion is just a ritual and practice that has been set in stone over certain periods of time. Religare, it's, it's old Latin. It means to mend back together that which, which was once broken. Now think about that. Religion derives from the Latin word religare, which means to mend back together that which, which was once broken. Well, what the fuck does that mean? Well, religion is what we attribute to you know, the, the three Abrahamic religions. What does it mean it was broken apart? Well, there used to only be one. And we can call this the worship of the sun gods or, or whatever it might be, but it all changed when the Romans took control. Emperor Constantine, Council of Nicaea, 325 AD. This is when it was fractured and they brought it back together because they separated it from the paganistic traditions and rituals of which it originally derived from. When I say pagan, I know, oh, devil worshiper. No, just when you think of paganism, just understand that old school knowledge, understanding of the elements, understanding of natural forces, of universal laws, of understanding of how the natural process of the universe operates. That's really what we mean when we say this, whether it's the Druids who are the ancestors of the Atlanteans or whatever it might be. This is what we mean by paganism. And this is what was known to the Gnostics post-Christ post, post death, whether you believe in Christ or Isa or whoever it might have been. I believe it was Isa, right? Uh, ISSA, Isa, but post Isa or Christ's death, right? The first century um, AD, you have the, the establishment of the Gnostic church and the Gnostics basically had the Nag Hammadi scripts and all these, and they talk about the archons and the, the structures that are organizing these evil spirits and these black magicians who are trying to take over control. And this was all shut out and thrown out by the Roman empire 300 years later. And all that shit was lost until it was found in the late 1940s. Now we have to ask ourselves about the validity of that, if it was really true or not. But I think that there's enough evidence to support that what we're dealing with here. We've is- been divided by religion, basically. We've been divided by religion when the true, there has to be a connecting tissue where even the Christ said, everything I can do, you can do, kingdom of heaven within. That corresponds to so many other teachings when you, you know, and you realize we're human beings, we want to have a spiritual connection. We have our own conception of what God is, but we keep looking for everything to be externalized and then given to us and translated to us by the priests and the vicars that are the stand-ins between you and the creator or the divine force. So the whole point of this is however people, we fight over the scripts and the myths, but the real truth is at the core of it. And in the end, you as an individual have to div- have to connect to that divinity within you and create that resonance between you and God, Brahman, Tao, whatever you want to call it, universe, uh, because that's where the signal is. It's not just in a book. It's not just in a person uh, like the Constitution. It's a document. 
there were the, there was there's things we can get into with that. But what is freedom, right? It's something within that you connect to based on the resonance field that you broke down. So we've been divided so that we can be conquered. And we've been divided and colonized in our minds and in our beings first. Then it just ended up being the same on the macro level with the division of nations and peoples and races and genders and all this stuff. And so when you see more division coming from these elites, from these political classes, from your teachers in your schools, uh, this whole thing about you're a vaccinated person or a not vaccinated person, you're a masker or an anti-masker, you're this or you're that, that's black magic. That's a lie, you know? So uh, Mother Teresa, whether we, I know her, her foundation was affiliated with human trafficking. It doesn't mean that she was herself, but um, she was once asked, uh, Mother Teresa, will you attend our anti-war rally? And she says, no, I will never attend your anti-war rally. But the day you have a pro-peace rally, I'll be there. And that's just a perfect assumption of what we're talking about here is that we have to align ourselves with the better good, with each other, that that division is real and that they are dividing us. So when I say like, well, I actually uh, more align with the story of Isa over Jesus, you shouldn't be like, oh, you blasphemous and so forth. That's just division. That has been brought about by your indoctrination into this religion, not the spiritual side, the religion of what they made you think of anybody who believes differently than you. That is how the division is brought about into our society, right? Is that it's uh, ethnocentrism, right? My, my, my nation is all that and yours is shit. And the United States is better than Canada and better than Europe. And we're all going to beat you in the My Olympics God's home. better than your God. My God's my better than your God. is better than your ivermectin. And <laughs> it's just exactly. endless. Exactly. And, and see, that's the, the, the dichotomy of mind, the dichotomy of thought and fear that we have to get ourselves out of. We have to grow and evolve within ourselves. And so, you know, I'll leave you with this statement because it's pretty important is in understanding. And I learned this from reading a uh, diary. I forgot the name of the book, but it was a diary of a slave from the 1800s. And he said that uh, you can, you can chain my feet and you can cuff my hands, but you'll never enslave my mind. I love it. And see, freedom is here. It's mental. 100% always mental. Freedom is mental. That means that slavery itself is mental. And that means the information being propagated to you on your daily basis is the cuffs and chains of slavery. And if you don't learn to interpret it, to understand it, to to break it down, to filter it correctly, you will be one of those slaves who lives in that realm of effect, who's continuously working for someone else's influence or agenda. So boom, don't be a slave. Don't, don't be, a slave. be a slave. Be free. Freedom is where we need to be. And in right. the end, truth is going to win out. Whatever our opinions are, truth is going to win. That's the orientation here. And so, Josh, this has been an epic conversation. Yeah. I think we did a really good job. We, we kind of boiled down our six hour, six hour conversation into two hours. I'm very proud of us. Uh, we could go on forever and ever, and we have to do this again. It's truly Absolutely. been a pleasure. Um, the chat is hopping. Thanks to everybody that's listening all over the place. We're going to post the archive later. Please help me share this out far and wide and, um, let's keep this rolling. I've got some fantastic guests lined up here on truth warrior, Josh, uh, any last announcements of anything you got coming up this week or next week for your show or. Yeah, work. we got, uh, we'll actually be live, uh, at six 30 PM mountain standard time on, uh, 
uh, Foxhole. We're also on Twitch and DLive and Periscope and Facebook Live. You can find us all linked up uh, redpillproject.online. And if you do want to join us on our private social networks, www.socialredpill.com. Um, the Red Pill Project is about decentralized media. It's about understanding that we are in control of the dissemination of information and that nobody else can enslave us through information, that only ourselves through our own ignorance or nescience can do that, and that we need to take back control of that. We should never believe anything anybody else says, no matter who they are, no matter what authority they have, whether they're a teacher, a parent, or, or a police officer, or if it's David or it's me. Unless you can prove it and validate it through your own volition, and your own research, one hundred percent. Boom! It. That is the that's the mic drop. That's I was just going to say something yeah. like that. So very good, well done, Josh. Thanks to everybody. We'll wrap it up here. We got more coming your way. Stay tuned. Go follow Josh's channel, and we'll talk to you guys soon on Truth Warrior. Cheers, everybody. Take care, everybody. Bye.